Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code CHAMPION and your first wager is risk-free up to $1,000. Visit BetMGM.com for terms and conditions. 21 years of age or older to wager. Virginia only. New customer offer. All promotions are subject to qualification and eligibility requirements. Rewards issued as non-withdrawable free bets or site credit. Free bets expire seven days from issuance. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-888-532-3500. Good evening, everyone. We're live from the Donatorium for another episode of the Fat Minute. I'm joined tonight by my co-host, good friend, all right artist, BVJ. Uh, bad friend, bad artist. <laughs> and we're also welcoming back returning guests, the world's tallest short guy, Mike Whedon. Exactly. And I am, of course, Don John. And hey, everyone listening at home tonight, have you called your mom? Have you called her and told her you loved her? Because I did. What? (laughs) What? 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 Well, we got a great episode tonight. We're talking about the year 2006. We got a lot to get into, so let's get into it. Gonna start off with some cultural topics, and we're gonna start off with a fun one that made like all the late night talk shows back in the day: the Dick Cheney hunting incident. Back in 2006, Vice President Dick Cheney was on a hunting trip with a friend of his. They were hunting quail, and long story short, he shot his friend in the face. <laughs> and to give you guys an idea of like how much of not a big deal and how little of a fuck everybody gave about the poor guy who got shot, like there was no like moment where everybody was like, "Oh my god, I hope he's okay." Like it immediately became a joke, and immediately just like every turned into everyone shitting on Dick Cheney. Yeah. 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 What do you guys got? And say? then, and it, well, then didn't that guy? He apologized to Dick Cheney. Yeah, yeah. like that's yeah. that's a level of power. I hope I get to where I can shoot somebody and he apologizes to me. Oh, that's messed up. The hell with that. Yeah, but I just remember um, like it, it, it immediately became a joke. Um. Yeah. Um. And it's just also like. I don't know. Everything about that dude is honestly like <laughs> creepy. I, I hate that guy. Um, yeah. But uh, yeah, no. I mean, that was that was what I uh, remembered most was like the guy apologizing to him. Um, and then wasn't it? I mean, it was it, it was in everything. I think The Simpsons made fun of it. Family Guy made fun of it. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, no. That's that's all I got to say on it, really. <laughs> about you Mike um yeah I mean pretty much the same thing I mean I remember I remember hearing in the news like when it just happened I think you know there was talk like it was the guy gonna live or die like I don't know if that was just rumors or miscommunication but it was like oh shit like Dick Cheney like fucking shot somebody <laughs> <laughs> yeah and it was on accident <laughs> you think it would have been on purpose but um I don't, yeah, no, I, no, it's like, same thing with Blake, I've never been a fan of Dick Cheney, uh, me personally, I don't know how you guys feel, I feel like, personally, he was the mastermind behind the Bush administration, and is like, almost like the Dark Lord. <laughs> Correct. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Correct. Yeah. But, um, um, I feel like he, George Bush was just a little dumb puppet. Oh, I mean, like, that also goes into, like, the whole, like, persona george bush had of like the simple everyman texan rancher 
Like that, that identity, that character was completely created by Dick Cheney. Um, because yeah. as soon as as soon as George Bush was no longer president, George uh, he sold that ranch. Like that was just a prop, really. Yeah. Um. So no, I mean like the the George Bush once again the George Bush we knew from the media that was that was like basically a cartoon character illustrated by Dick Cheney. So. Yeah. And did did you guys um I mean it's kind of off topic but it 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 kind of isn't. Did you did you guys ever see the movie Vice that was about Dick Cheney? No. Uh, I I still need to um I know you and I have talked about it a few times Mike but I'm sure Christian Bale's really good in it. Yeah, no, you you guys I feel like you two would love that movie. I mean like it it I feel like some people were worried it was going to like glorify him. it doesn't at all. It's, oh no, no. It's yeah. literally it's literally like a comedy that like well, it's not really a it's a it's a kind of like a weird drama with like comedic parts and it like paints him in a bad light. Yeah. Okay. But like the, there's there's like random parts that are like funny. Like there's like I mean not to spoil anything, but like there's a part where there's like a musical part. And then there's yeah. a part, there's literally a part where all the char- all the characters start talking like like Shakespeare characters. Hmm. Yeah, but like it, it's it's so good. It just shows like, like just his rise to power and like how he like manipulates everything. It, it's, yeah, it's a wild ass movie. <laughs> it's it was um it was the same director as the guy who made most of the Wolf Ferrell movies, like Step Brothers and Anchorman and Talladega Nights. Um, yeah, yeah, Adam McKay. Adam McKay and um. And yeah, he, well, he he started doing series movies. He did that. What was that other movie he did with Christian Bale? It was about like the the the, the big uh, short. The, the big, big short. short. Yeah, about like the what was it? The mortgage scandals or something? Yeah, yeah. yeah. I I I I didn't care for that one that much. I felt like it was marketed incorrectly. Like um, I never saw that one. Yeah, I just I just think it didn't live up to like how the trailers painted it. But I don't want to I don't want to get too off topic about talking about. Another movie within another movie, but <laughs> yeah, well, filmception. Yeah. No, bring it up, Vice. No, I agree with that, but I, I don't. I don't want to turn it into like a critique of the filmography of Adam McKay, <laughs> especially since he'll come up later anyway. Yeah. yeah. Well, then let's um, move on to the next topic: the Great American Boycott, which was basically a one-day boycott of uh, schools and businesses by immigrants. Took place in 2006, and I mainly listed this topic for tonight because what like a year or two ago we had another thing just like this where businesses and stuff owned by immigrants was like closed down for a whole day in solidarity and protest of uh you know basically anti-immigration sentiments in the country going on um and i brought this up for 2006 because i remember this was the time when like the modern sentiment towards immigrants was beginning to like really take shape and really start to kick off. Cause I mean, there had always been kind of like talk about like the dangers at the Southern border with Mexico for, for years, but this is yeah. when they were really starting to talk about, you know, we need to build like a wall here. We need to do something to keep these people out specifically just the Mexicans. Um, this is when the modern, like anti, the, the anti-immigration mentality that we see in this country. Now, this is when it really started to take its shape the way we see it now. Yeah, and I just thought it was interesting that we had this happen in 2006, and here, you know, over a decade later, we 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 have the same thing happening again. Mm-hmm. What do you guys got to say? Um, 
I have absolutely zero memory of this whatsoever. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, it's not that's not saying it's not a worthy topic. It's just that, I mean, of course, this was, um, you know, this was my freshman, the end of my freshman year, going into the beginning of my sophomore year, and I guess with like different stuff like that, you know, unless it was like a a, a main headline featuring like the president. Um, at the time, I, it just kind of went over my head. I right. still had like the ignorance and innocence of you know mid teenage years in me mm-hmm. left. Um, but yeah, I mean, and then also wasn't we we also did something like this over the summer where it was Blackout Tuesday, where on Instagram everybody did like a um a black square mm-hmm. and. I th- and, and people automatically morphed that with um, the Black Lives Matter movement. Obviously, you know, it was all going on at the time. But I'm pretty sure, like, originally that was meant to, like, I think Blackout Tuesday was supposed to be that, like, don't only give, like, business to, you know, um, African-American and black-owned small businesses. Don't, don't give uh, any corporations business that day. Unless, unless I like completely misread that, but I, I think that's what it was originally meant to be. Um, so yeah, it, it definitely comes back every every now and then. And yeah. actually, I mean, it's it's a strategy that makes sense. It's like, yeah, hurt him where it really hurts. Just you know, like don't you know, don't don't spend you know, don't give certain parts of the economy any business mm-hmm. if you really want to be heard. Sometimes you know, and it's um, like what's what's ironic is. In 2000, 2006, when this boycott happened, a big supporter of this boycott was the company Goya. They, like, shut down operations for the entire day mm-hmm. and to, to show support. Now we mm-hmm. fast forward to now and look what Goya's doing. <laughs> yeah, like, I was, I, I was like, coming in and out on that one. Um, all I know is, like, Ted Cruz defended them, so I was... I was sure they made a pretty bad decisions with something. <laughs> yeah, well, Ted Cruz has an interesting picture from me sitting in his inbox right now, so fuck oh. him. <laughs> oh, well. Mike, did you hear about that? Oh, no. Oh. No. Okay, so. He, he, he can tell you about it later. <laughs> oh, no, we're going to talk about it now. Um, so did you see like a week or two ago that like Ted Cruz said something about how uh, liberal men don't grow balls? I think so, yeah. Well, I took personal offense to that, so I felt a strong need to prove him wrong, so I sent Ted Cruz on Facebook a picture of my dick and balls. <laughs> like, literally? Oh, yeah. It's, like, straight up, like... And I made sure, like, I made sure that I got, like, a little erect, too, because, I mean, he he's an asshole, but he is a U.S. senator, so he does deserve a little bit of respect. <laughs> you you want to be a little hung. Right. <laughs> That's great. I did not. I did not condone or endorse this action at all. I'm never going to be able to run for president because of you. <laughs> that's going to be. That's going to be in your uh, stand-up, I suppose. Probably. <laughs> that's funny. Oh man, fuck him. Uh, anyway, <laughs> next topic: death of Steve Irwin. Oh, now this I remember. Yeah, like yeah. this. This was like the first celebrity death that I like remember like actually kind of like actually getting upset over just because like how could you not love Steve Irwin, you know? He was just the dude who loved going on adventures and telling everybody about animals. But, you know, mm-hmm. in 2006 he was doing a documentary on some uh, stingrays and one of them stabbed him in the chest and he died off the coast of Australia. 
And, uh, you know, it's, I really think we could use someone like Steve Irwin today. Just not so much his television personality, but just his, um, just his views on conservation and the environment. I think his voice could really be used right now. Um, I mean, it was, it was, it was definitely shocking because like, and I mean, people, people made fun of what he did. You know, it was like one of those things where he would have the stick and he would poke at something with it. And he'd be like, Oh, he's becoming very angry. And it's like, yeah, no shit, man. You're poking it with a stick. Yeah. but he was a but, goofy dude, but you couldn't help but love him. He was a goofy dude, you couldn't help but love him. And it's like it was, it was shocking because surely there were those people out there that were like, well, "What did you expect?" You know, like sooner or later, you know, of course, if you keep messing around with that stuff. But then also, it's like after a while, we just like we just assumed he was basically immortal. Like, yeah. If, if he was, if he was willing to go through like everything else he went through before, then it was like. He was just unstoppable and indestructible. Like, out of um, all the ways for him to go. Like, I thought he was going to, like, die because he... I thought what was eventually going to kill him was he was going to actually discover Bigfoot, and that was going to rip him to shreds. Um, That's how I yeah. thought he was going to go. And it opened my eyes, and it's like, I didn't I didn't realize until then that stingrays were lethal. Oh, yeah. Um, I didn't realize they yeah. could kill you. I mean, um, they're usually not aggressive, but yeah, they, they can kill you. Um, but yeah, no, that was... It was sad. It was sad. It was it was weird. It yeah. was it was um yeah, it was like someone who you thought could just keep chugging along and you know his time was up. Yeah. So yeah. What about you, Mike? Um yeah, no, I remember I actually remember being really upset when he passed away. Um I used to watch his show a lot. I used to watch it a lot with um with Andrew, because he when when we were kids, he was he was like Animal Planet's number one fan. Like he was like glued to that channel. Mm-hmm. Uh, I remember, and that's the thing. I feel like a lot of people don't remember how big he was. Like what a cultural phenomenon Steve Irwin was. Yeah, I mean, like he was everywhere. Like he had toys. I remember there was like commercials. He had a board game. Yeah. Um. He uh. He also had a movie, and I always forget that he had a movie, too. Yeah. It was, like, some of it was, like, actually a documentary, and then, but it was, like, interwoven with, like, a scripted, like, plot, I guess. Yeah, it was, like, just, like, a comedy or something. Yeah. No, I mean, like... Oh, go ahead, sorry. No, you're good. No, I mean, like, the only... At at, at a certain point, like, the only thing he was missing was his own animated series, like Jackie Chan. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, I'm sure he would have gotten it eventually. Yeah. Oh man, could but, you um, imagine if he would have gotten an animated series and then they did a crossover with Jackie Chan Adventures? Oh, dude. Also, sidebar, um, is it is it too late to talk about that show? Like, that was a great cartoon. Jackie Chan Adventures? When did oh, that yeah. come out? Uh, uh, looks fun. When I, feel did like, it I, end? Feel like, I feel like that came out in 99 and probably ended in like early 2000s. Oh, shoot. Then we, yeah, we, we surely already missed it, but that was a fun show. I'm going to look it up right now. Uh, it started in the year 2000, mm-hmm. and it ended in 2005. Oh, shoot. Oh, well. Well, <laughs> I mean, while we're at it, like, that was a fun show. Throw yeah. back to Yeah. That was a fun they show. They could have just made that into a movie. Oh, yeah. Like a Jackie Chan movie where he's looking for the 12 talismans. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's it would have like, been, yeah, like, been like, the, they could have made it like the the... 
Chinese uh, Indiana Jones in a way. Yeah. Well, then, like, and it wasn't only just Jackie Chan. It was like it was all the supporting characters that were really fun. Mm-hmm. Um, I guess it's like and his niece. Yeah, yeah, and like I remember just watching episodes of it, and then I would look at the stuff he was he was releasing in theaters, <laughs> like the tu- the tuxedo, and yeah. I'm like, I'm like, why don't they just make the Jackie Chan adventure show into a movie? Like, why don't we just have that? But yeah, yeah. well, Jackie Chan's like old, his like old movies, like the movies he made like overseas, are way better than the ones over in America. Yeah, that's true. Well, like yeah. the one where he does all the crazy stunts and stuff like that. Yeah, yeah. But um, but I mean, back to Steve Irwin. <laughs> <laughs> back on the rails here, but yeah. Um, yeah, no, it was just it just sucks. And I mean, I, I, I love like seeing the stuff nowadays, like with his kids. But like, in all honesty, like his kids will never be as big as he is. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you have to have that personality. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He just he had that very charismatic, like always in a good mood. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, no, just, there there will never be another Steve Irwin. Yeah, and the world is a, a smaller place without him. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's just he's one of those people where at least one thing you could say is he got to do what he loved up until the very end. So oh, yeah. he's just, yeah. a, who just, just a dude who just loved doing what he did every day. Yeah. Yeah. So, well, let's move on to our last cultural topic. Disney buying Pixar. Now I brought this one up for tonight because this was like the beginning of Disney buying literally fucking everything they could get their hands on. Um, mm-hmm. And it it started in almost the shittiest of ways because the reason Disney bought Pixar was because at the time they were beginning to start talks on Toy Story 3. And I'm trying to remember the exact details of of how it went down. But basically there was a disagreement between Disney and Pixar over what they wanted, what they each wanted Toy Story 3 to be story-wise. If I remember correctly, I think Pixar had pitched a story where there was going to be like a massive recall of the Buzz Lightyear toys and that was going to like cause a huge problem or whatever and that was going to be the story. And Disney didn't like it and like it caused a dispute. So basically Pixar was like, all right, fine, we're just not going to do the movie then. And Disney's like, well, we own the characters. You made them for us. And Pixar's like, yeah, you own the characters, but you can't make any sequels without us. So Disney was basically like, all right, then we're just going to fucking buy you. Um and yeah, now after that, it's like anytime Disney sees it, it just planted that seed where anytime they see anything that they want, they buy it. And I think it's getting really out of hand. I think anybody, anybody thinks it's getting out of hand. Um, yeah. The company owns way too fucking much. Yep. But strictly Disney buying well, Pixar. What are your guys' thoughts on that? Um. Well, I would like to also bleed into what you were saying there just a second ago, you know, towards the end of that statement. But, um, but yeah, I mean, w- number one was um, it took me forever to realize that Disney never didn't originally own Pixar. Right. Um, I, I didn't really no- notice that before. It's like I just assumed that, like, Pixar was the new animation wing of Disney. Like, I right. just assumed that Disney created Pixar. Um, so that was surprising. But then it made more sense because Pixar was, like, supposed to I remember seeing on IMDB that Pixar was going to try to make other movies with different studios mm-hmm. um, 
like they were going to make a movie for Warner Brothers. I it was called like 1948 or something like that. Um, but I, yeah, I, I never saw anything more than the title. But the, the point is, like they were going to work with other people, right? Um, and then, but yeah, no, it was like every, and I guess not to foreshadow, you know, a episode of a few episodes right now, but like every three years they had another major buy. So mm-hmm. like. I didn't realize this was 2006 until you said it, Donnie. Um, but you had this in 2006. Three years later in 09, they bought Marvel. Mm-hmm. And then three years later in 2012, they bought Lucasfilm. Um, which, like, Marvel, like, I honestly, people were worried about Marvel, but I was like, oh, whatever. But And then when they bought Star Wars, I was like, well, they haven't made any new Star Wars movies anyway, so it's like that's probably the only way we'll ever get a new star Wars movie, whatever. But yeah, when they finally bought Fox, I was like, I should not have to explain to someone that the majority of an industry should not be owned by the same entity. Yeah. Like that is just a terrible idea on top of um, everything else. They already owned like ESPN, ABC, um, ABC. And now they own national geographic. Yeah. Um, and it was like, it was like, if you're going to buy Fox, and it was, I think I think 20th Century Fox wanted to be bought anyway. I think that's what was going on. And then, like, there were people that just wanted to focus on doing Fox News. But mm-hmm. they were like, well, we don't we don't care about spending money on everything else. We just want to be a news corporation now. But, right. um, but yeah, no, I mean, that's the only way I would have supported that purchase is, like, if Disney could have just bought the whole thing and then canceled Fox News. Um, yeah. <laughs> but, but, yeah, so, um, but, yeah, no, it's it's... That's I didn't know that story until just now when you said that. Um, that's very petty, um, but that's not surprising coming from them. Um, and then they buy us tomorrow. Um, <laughs> hey, I'll take uh, the fucking money. Uh, okay. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I guess I would have to. Um, but yeah, you you go ahead. We, we can always start another podcast. Yeah. True. <laughs> no, they buy yeah. us specifically, not the not the show, just us. <laughs> I mean, that's probably not like in Wayne's world where they they own the show and then they fire Wayne. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And then Garth's just all alone. He's like, I'm having a good time. (laughs) Well, we would just we would just use that. Um, we would use that money that they purchased us with to actually get a nice studio and then create a better show. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. But, but anyway, about Pixar, you go ahead, Mike. Um. Yeah, like Blake said, I when I was a kid, I never realized that they were, you know, two separate entities. I just always thought, like, you know, they were the same thing, kind of like, um, like, uh, like Touchstone, like how Touchstone was like Disney's movie company, like to make like they usually made like PG thirteen and R movies. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Under Touchstone, that studio <laughs> existed literally to just keep mud off the mouse. Yeah, pretty much. And then they, I think they had another one for a while. It was like Hollywood Pictures. I think that was owned by them too back in the day. Uh, yeah, I think so. Um, but yeah, that one's like that one's been gone since like the nineties. But um, yeah, I, I mean, yeah, I, do, I don't, I don't personally like that Disney's buying everything up. I just, yeah, I just feel like they're monopolizing the movie industry. Mm-hmm. And they're just dominating the box office. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and uh, and my thing is is like it's it's also getting to a certain point like 
even if the movies are bad, like people are still going to go see them because it's Disney, Marvel, and Star Wars, and right. whatever yeah. Fox makes. Yeah. I mean, and Fox has a ton of franchises, too. Yeah. Um, which is funny because they got Star Wars before, and like Fox used to have Star Wars. <laughs> yeah. Um, it, and Fox would have forever owned, without that purchase, Fox would have forever owned the movie rights to A New Hope. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Like, like for some reason, there was something where Fox always owned specifically A New Hope, and they would have owned it forever. Well, I think, so. I think, I think it was because it was before, like, Lucasfilm got big. Yeah. I think it was before Lucasfilm, like, really took off on its own. Because, you know, the only, like, the only movie that George Lucas made before A New Hope was American Graffiti. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He hadn't yeah. really, he hadn't really taken off yet. And um, yeah. um, shit. Where was I going with that? Um, <laughs> <laughs> okay. blank. Was a duh. But well, yeah, go ahead. Oh well, you brought up you brought up like Touchstone Pictures, and it's interesting you bring that up because, and I I totally forget if we had Lady in the Water in the list of movies for tonight. Um, but it, it was a movie that came out in two thousand six, and. The first like few M Night Shyamalan movies were all made by Touchstone Pictures, like Buena Vista, which is weird yeah. because when you think of like M Night Shyamalan, you would never think of Disney. But um, it's funny because uh, Lady in the Water was the first M Night Shyamalan movie not made by Disney because when he went to them to pitch his new movie and he had just done like The Village, which wasn't as good as Signs, and then Signs, which people said wasn't as good as Unbreakable in the Sixth Sense, even though, you know, whatever. But he pitched the plot for Lady in the Water, and his main producer at Disney looked him right in the face and said, I don't get it. (laughs) And, And he was like, he was like, well, fine, then I'll go to someone else. And she goes, and she honestly said, like, well, no, I'll still produce it, do your thing, but I'm just letting you know I don't understand your story here. But he was so offended that she didn't understand it that he deliberately went to Warner Brothers and had them make it. Um, Lost moves in American history. Um, not really, because Lady in the Water was kind of shitty. <laughs> I don't mean to punch down here, but like, yeah, that's that's that that was a bad one. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Jeez. Yeah. But um. Oh. But I will I will say I was I was getting I was getting to um a kind of a funny side thing because I mean if anybody knows me I know you guys know but people on the outside listening um I'm a huge Power Ranger fan mm-hmm. and I don't know if you guys knew but like in 2002 Walt Disney purchased Power Rangers from Saban mm-hmm. and that is the only thing I think that Disney has bought and then later on sold. And they sold it back to Saban. Yeah, they sold it back to Saban. Who then sold it to Hasbro like a year or two ago? Yeah, Hasbro bought it two years ago. That well, that's because like the they called it the Neo Saban era was terrible. But, <laughs> but um, and that's the thing. But the thing is, that's the one thing I want Disney to buy back because the Disney era of Power Rangers, like show wise, was actually pretty decent. Was that Time Force? Uh, no, that no. was the regular four. 
Time Force was actually two years before. See, the best years of Power Rangers, I'm going to go on a thing, is is the late Saban years, like right before they got bought out, and then a lot of the Disney years. Like, there's literally only, like, one Disney season that isn't good. Huh. And, like, I but I, I think the reason Disney sold it is because, like, in the late 2000s, like, like 2000, because they sold it in 2009. Mm-hmm. I think it was the popularity of Power Rangers just kind of weighing. Mm-hmm. And then once you got into the 2010s, like, people started getting nostalgic about, like, the original seasons. So then, so then Neo, and then, like, Saban bought it back. Well, they were probably also trying to make some Marvel money back because they had just purchased Marvel. Right. And, and that, 2009 was the only, other than now, 2009 was the only year without a MCU film. Yeah, yeah, and the only reason now is because COVID. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So there you go. Yeah, it's like Disney buyback Power Rangers. Well, now we're talking about movies a little bit. Let's move on to that topic for the evening. Start off with Grandma's Boy. <laughs> yeah. This is so, this is like the perfect movie to watch during a get together with like a few of your buddies. Like mm-hmm. it's yeah, it's just a silly fucking movie. Um, Quotable movie, memorable moments, especially what the fuck's the dude's name? The tall, skinny dude who basically plays like the villain of the movie. JP. <laughs> JP, yeah. What's the Kylo other? Ren? Yeah. <laughs> Fucking. Unanswered <laughs> nuggets. Please sit on my face. <laughs> Drive safe. I don't. The only other thing I've seen that guy in was Avatar, like James Cameron's Avatar. He's one of the the. He's one of the scientists that actually wants to be there. <laughs> yeah. Um, hey, what's life like in the Matrix? <laughs> we know how much do clothes cost in the yeah, Matrix. Yeah. Oh, hey, look, it's Bono's brother. <laughs> <laughs> um, the fucking scene in the beginning when he's staying at uh, Nick Swartzen's house and he's like jerking off to that fucking doll he's got and he turns around right as his mom walks in. <laughs> Yeah. Oh, I can't stop coming. Oh. I can't stop. <laughs> it's a Laura Croft doll too. Yeah. Yeah. He's like he's like he's like uh he's like he's like, why'd you do it, man? He's like, I I couldn't sleep. I saw the doll. He's like, well, why didn't you just wake me up so we could play video games? He's like, Well, I didn't want to disturb you. You were balls deep in your turtle. And he's just like, <laughs> like, I love my turtle. He's like, well, you could you could stay the rest of the night. And he's like, oh yeah, I'm sure that's going to be a nice breakfast. Yeah. <laughs> um, and that was like one of Jonah Hill's first roles too. Yes, yeah. and that that is my main favorite point to make about that movie is like, he was like, you know, the the chubby weird kid in the movie and whatever. I just I would love to to be able to time travel back to that moment on set mm-hmm. and just say to everybody, hey, guess what? Out of everyone here. That's the guy who's going to be nominated for two Academy Awards. Like, yeah. like yeah. out of out of all those people there, he's the one that's the Oscar nominee. <laughs> Talk about a glow up! <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. Um, and then also, it's like it, it, it's a Happy Madison movie. And Adam is Adam Sandler anywhere in that movie, or no. like, is there even like a brief cameo or a shot or something? No, nope. I didn't think so. That's but, why it's like, decent. I, well, yeah. no, that's that's what I was saying. Like, it's a Happy Madison movie without Adam Sandler, and it was better than most of the Adam Sandler movies at the time. Yeah, yeah. Um, Still is. So, yeah, I mean, 
And then is Click on the list for tonight? I, I hate to keep asking that question. I'm so sorry, but um, I was that planning on it. Oh, okay. Yeah, that but if you really want to talk about it, well, I was just gonna say, like, just briefly, like, Click is probably one of the better Adam Sandler movies, especially for that era. In my opinion, it's so, the last decent one. Yeah. No, I mean, yeah. like, no, Click, Click, Click's pretty good. It has some heart to it. Like, he, he, in my opinion, he has not made a watchable movie since then. Um, Click is probably my top five. Um, but like. The Wedding Singer is still my number one, but but back to Grandma's Boy. I'm sorry, I didn't mean to steer us away again. Um, but I mean, it's just, and then you have like the one dude who's like always high. Like Michael does a better impression of him than I do. Like <laughs> the go the ahead, pot, Mike, the pot dealer. Yeah, 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 Dante. Yeah, and that was that. That's his actual name in real life, Peter Dante. Yeah, I love when he when he goes to his house because he's been calling him since he got evicted. Mm-hmm. He, he, he knocks on his door and he shows up and he's naked and he's just like, hey man, I've been calling you like five times. What are you doing? Oh, I'm sorry, man. I was just hanging up my Christmas decorations. Dude, it's July. Get the fuck out of here. <laughs> <laughs> he's like, why are you naked? Oh my God, I am naked. <laughs> He's, he's like teaching a monkey fucking karate. Yeah, he's, like, he's like, dude, your ass is tanner than my face. <laughs> yeah, he's, he's teaching a monkey karate, and then he gets a lion to guard his stash. He's like, why don't you just buy a dog? He's like, you can get past a dog. Nobody fucks <laughs> with a lion. <laughs> and then you have uh, Linda... How do you pronounce her oh, last name? Yeah, I mean, you have Velma from... Uh... Scooby Doo, and she's there, and once again, she's huge crush. Mm. Um, but yeah, no, I mean, it's just it's, you it's spent so all fun. you spent all of our rent money on hookers. They're not hookers, massage therapists. Yeah, they'll massage your cock for money. There's a word for that. I think it's hooker. You're a hooker. You're a hooker. <laughs> I love that. I love how one of them, Kevin Nash. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Super shredder. No, super shredder. It's, Sometimes, sometimes, sometimes you just need a really stupid movie, and it it serves its purpose. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. No, it's 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 the it's like the world's smartest dumb movie. Yeah. Um, and then like JP in it, like that's who Elon Musk's son is totally going to grow up to be. <laughs> I'm kid. calling it now. I feel like we went to high school with a couple people like JP. <laughs> What like the dude who like tried to make uh, armor and he showed up to school and the school was like, um, you can't show up to that wearing that. <laughs> and uh, he's like, why? If, if you're talking about if you're talking about the same kid, I know you're. I think you're talking about. He's also the kid that brought a samurai sword to art class to draw, and he <laughs> and he wore it on his back and he he drew it and he accidentally cut the back of his head and into the hospital and he had to go to the hospital. How the fuck did I not hear about this? Yeah. Because I, I think that was like our freshman year. Oh. He was older than us. Yeah. But I'm I'm pretty sure that's the same kid you're talking about, right? Yes. Yeah. 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 He like he like put a big gash in the back of his head with a samurai sword and had to be rushed to the hospital. Jesus. Okay, but you know what? He and this is like a, a high school student in 2006. He obviously he had to borrow somebody's credit card for that. So shame on them. <laughs> <laughs> But as long as we're I, a little off topic talking about weird kids we went to school with, I'll never forget the one who got no names, on, no names, no names, but the one who got tricked on MSN. 
hey, tell me your deepest, darkest secret, and I'll I'll go out with you. Well, last week I shit myself in the middle of class. <laughs> that that was that was an honest to god thought process. Yeah, like it's he. Like, he, he thought, I must, you know, I must I, woo her. Yeah, I need something dark and mis- that makes me seem dark and mysterious to make her think I'm cool enough to date. I'll tell her about how I shit myself. <laughs> <laughs> I I miss high school so fucking much. <laughs> One of us has to. Yeah. Well, that's the hilarious thing. Is like you wouldn't think I had the persona of someone who would miss high school, but no, like I I miss high school. Oh, Let's move okay. on to our next movie. She's the man. Oh yes. Yeah i I have nothing to say about this movie because I've never seen it. So I'm just gonna bounce it over to you, Blake. Okay. I saw this movie for the first time in 2007, um, and I remember it coming out, uh, you know, in high school. But obviously, I just didn't go see it because, with all due respect, like it's enjoyable now. I love it now. Like I would recommend it now. But like at the time, as a high school dude, it's not really a movie you would be like, "Hey boys, let's let's go see that." <laughs> yeah. Um. But no, like it's 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 a really it's a charming movie. Um. It, you know, and, and it once again tried to like be like, it definitely tried to ride on the wave of Mean Girls. Um. And it's it was probably like one of the one of the better Amanda Bynes movies. I know she didn't have many movies, but and it was one of the first appearances of Channing Tatum. Um, and it's just it's a very quotable movie. I, have you seen it, Michael? I, obviously, you haven't seen it, Donnie. But have you seen it, Mike? I've only seen parts of it. I've never watched it all the way through. I I mean, if if you were willing to watch Mean Girls more than once, I think I think you should give this one a chance. Um, yeah, it's no. definitely it's definitely quotable. It's silly, um, and it's it's my wife's favorite movie. Um, she, really? yeah, yeah, it's it's her favorite movie. She literally told me about how she watched it like four or five times in one day um, <laughs> back in college because she watched it by herself in the morning, and then her one friend came over and wanted to watch it, and then she went over to her one friend's dorm and they were watching it, and then like to fall asleep at night, she was like, oh, "I'll just put it on." So yeah, literally four times in one day, I think. Um, but yeah, no, it's it's yeah. Obviously, there's not much for us to go back and forth about here, but no, I I, I recommend it. It's 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 an enjoyable, uh, uh, charming movie. All right. Well, then let's move on to our next movie. V for Vendetta. I have never seen such a mediocre movie inspire so many people before (laughs) (laughs) on such an annoying level. Like too many people took this movie way too seriously, especially during our high school years. And it got so fucking annoying. Everybody like, especially like people like that, that anonymous group take uh, wearing those uh, guy Fox masks people thinking they were like some sort of revolutionary who was going to reveal this big government conspiracy. And it's like, no, your name's Bob. Stop it. <laughs> I don't want to start shit with them though right now. <laughs> oh yeah. They might steal the show. <laughs> yeah. um, no, go ahead. I didn't mean to. No, go ahead, Blake. Um, No, I, I, it was, there's a certain dude we know that really loved this movie. 
Yeah. And he's a total fucking tool. <laughs> <laughs> and um, I just, I just remember it was, it was beloved so much by people who absolutely just didn't even get the point. They missed the point. Yeah. Totally like misunderstood it. Like I remember people, like it came, it came out in 2006. Obviously, yes. But like it almost like it felt like it went away for a little while and then it came back randomly and people yeah. were quoting it and stuff and it was during the Obama years and people were like, Yeah, you know, like they were quoting it in order to put down the Affordable Care Act. It's like, Yeah, Obamacare is, you know and then they would just do remember, remember the fifth of November. It's like, what the fuck are you talking about? <laughs> and the thing is like they totally misunderstood that there was a specific reason why this movie was put into production and released during George W. Bush. Like, this movie is meant to be a middle finger to the modern Republican Party at the time. Um, and and once again, like, the comic was... Um, Michael, help me out here. What did Alan Moore say the comic was versus what the movie was? Um, the comic is anarchism versus fascism. Right. But he saw the movie as um, liberalism against, like... Neoconservative. Neoconservative, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so yeah, I mean, like, the movie itself is obviously an interpretation and adaptation, but, but, yeah, once again, like, all the dudes who, like, lean right, but then they'd be like, oh, both sides suck, I'm actually in the middle. It's like, no, you don't, you're just a fucking pussy. Um... <laughs> Oh, uh, God, you don't get me started right now. Um, <laughs> but yes, I, I have to calm down now, so somebody else take the wheel. <laughs> Go ahead, um, See, that's the thing. I, I actually really like this movie. I think it's a really well-made movie. I mean, coming from the Wachowskis, I mean, I know they're not credited for directing, but it's basically their movie. Um, uh, I feel, And that's the thing. I feel like the fan base kind of ruins this movie. Yeah, because yeah. it is a really good movie. I do really like this movie. I liked it ever since I saw it. I like it too. I I forgot to mention that. <laughs> I, I saw it. I saw it. I I haven't really like fully read the comic. I've read stuff about it. Um, but I mean, yeah, and that's I think I think that's the thing that kind of gets taken out of context too is that V isn't necessarily a good guy. Right. I mean, he has a he has a goal. He has a he has a mission to stop like, you know, the fascism that's taken over this like dystopian like England. But um, you know, it's not. He's not. You know, he's a murderer. You know, he takes drastic measures. Like he's an anarchist. And, he's like, not a saint. Yeah. Yeah, it's like an anarchy is chaos. Yeah. Um, and I think that's another thing. A lot of like fans kind of misconstrue with this is that, you know, this was this was a very personal story kind of to Alan Moore, you know, it was him talking about what he thought the British government could become like in the future. And, you know, um and he, even still the movie, it's like it's very much about England's culture. Um, yeah. It's very much a, a story about England. But I just think it's crazy that like how this story basically like indirectly like inspired like the most like famous group of hackers in the world you know what I mean mm -hmm. and then they indirectly like inspired like 
a great TV show, which uh, I don't know, I haven't finished it. I haven't finished the first season, but have any of you guys watched Mr. Robot? No. My my mom watched the first season. And she said it was great. Yeah, it's really good, and it's basically like a fictionalized version of like Anonymous. That's cool. They even they even wear masks that kind of look like the Guy Fox masks. Yeah, yeah, I remember I remember seeing that. But um, um, but yeah, no, I I really like it. I mean, I think it's a shame that Alan Moore like doesn't like it. I mean, that's. That's well, a whole Alan, Moore, Alan Moore doesn't fucking like anything. That's yeah, that's, yeah. I'm not even he sure he really likes himself. If we're being honest, I yeah. <laughs> I'm I'm sorry if 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 you were able to watch the trailers for Zack Snyder's Watchmen and not at least be intrigued, like that's he's just being a dickhead. Um, yeah. But but well, and then I don't know if you know this, Mike. There's actually kind of I don't want to say conspiracy theory because that's kind of like makes it sound way deeper and more serious. It's just a movie, but there's actually a an online theory that the Wachowskis actually did direct this movie, but they just allowed the their assistant director from the Matrix trilogy to have credit, like as a favor, basically. Um, that's yeah. just kind of kind of like kind of like Poltergeist were. It's Toby Hooper, but everybody said Spielberg really directed it. Exactly, it's kind of like it's kind of like the new version of that. No, there is like a an online theory where people are like the Wachowskis actually directed it. Um, well, that's our last good movie. <laughs> yeah, sure, sitting Jupiter ascending. <laughs> I never saw that, but I I heard terrible things. Uh, it it gave me the too much macaroni sweats. <laughs> if if you wanted, if you ever dared ask the question, "What if Uwe Boll made Dune?" Then wonder no more. <laughs> oh no! Yeah. Oh, that's such a spot-on description that it hurts. Yeah. <sighs> well, let's move on to the next movie. I can't wait to talk about this movie just because of how fucking stupid it is. Larry the Cable Guy, Health Inspector. <laughs> oh god. <laughs> The first movie in the Larry the Cable Guy trilogy of shit that we had in the mid two thousands. You have to understand that we will be the only guys who have talked about this movie since opening night, and that's quite all right because it makes me feel happy. <laughs> yeah. This is like the like. <laughs> the problem is you just want to you want to quote our one conversation. Just go ahead, let's do it. I will get to that, but like. We lived in a town where too many people thought this was like the peak of cinema. This <laughs> <laughs> is such a dumb fucking we, movie, but you can't. There's some jokes in it that you can't help but fucking laugh at, like a like a twelve year old. <laughs> like no, we yeah. lived we lived in a town where people felt that this guy was a hero on the same tier as Atticus Finch. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> But to quote that conversation that uh, Blake just mentioned, this was like like a, a little over a year ago. Blake yeah, and I, yeah. Blake and I were live streaming uh, on here on Twitch. Bully on the PS2, which is a game we'll talk about later. Yeah, we were live streaming that, and we we were we got on the topic of that movie, and. Mm-hmm. Uh, I had pointed out how, like, this always tickles me about the movie, how, you know, Larry the Cable Guy, colon, health inspector, like, 
he's not just the health inspector, the cable guy. He's also the health inspector. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and Blake had asked the question, like, yeah, which one, like, which one is it? And I said, neither, I'm both. <laughs> and that absolutely caused Blake to short circuit. Yeah. Uh, the video is on my personal YouTube, you know, youtube.com slash Don John. It's episode four of the bully live stream. Yeah. And it's like three or four minutes in, and you can actually hear the sparks flying from Blake's head <laughs> after yeah. I say it. It's well there there was a pause. There was a yeah. pause. So you, you could almost you could almost hear the silence of when like the, the Macintosh rainbow wheel was loading <laughs> on my face. <laughs> <laughs> I just I had to process it for a second, but but yeah. Anyway, um, Lady the Cable Guy, Health Inspector, Joe Pantoliano is the villain in this movie. Like, what the <laughs> fuck? <laughs> yeah, I, I totally the recession that. had hit us all. And, and I remember his entire character was that he couldn't stop looking at women's boobs. Um, and then <laughs> and then you have like an entire dream sequence where Kid Rock like visits him and his in his dream. Yeah. Um, and, uh, oh God. <laughs> You're going down, you piece of crap. No way. I'm a floater. <laughs> just, he just like busts out of that bathroom stall. <laughs> yeah. And, and no, that just, yeah, I'm a floater. and that just shows how like, how at the time, like we were just at such a innocent and, you know, um, carefree age. Like we, Asked our parents for money to see this on opening night. Uh, you we, you might have asked your parents for money. My parents fucking rented this movie and brought it home. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's oh. the kind of household I grew up in. Yeah, well, yeah. I and I remember this was this movie was the first time you met Kogel, Michael. He he went to oh. this. Yeah, yeah. So oh, wow. so yeah. I I don't know. I don't know if you were aware of that, Donnie. But there there's some. There's some pre-year involvement in the group lore for you. There's some there's some uh, golden age uh, group history. It was uh, the first time Michael met Kogel was in Larry the Cable Guy Health Inspector. There was a moment when he said a brown snake was playing peekaboo with his butthole. Fuck. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Let's move on to a slightly better movie, X-Men 3, The Last Stand. I don't know about that one. <laughs> but you see... That's a toughie. I haven't yeah. watched this movie in a while. I meant to rewatch it before the show tonight, but I didn't get a chance to. But I... And I know like a lot of people think this movie is a steaming pile of dog shit. I never thought it was awful. Like, I mean, it's definitely, at the very least, out of the, the original trilogy of the X-Men movies, it's definitely the fucking worst. And it's definitely one of the weakest out of the entire franchise. But I never thought it was, like, you know, worthy of throwing the tomato at the screen or anything, you know? Like, I thought it was just a disorganized mess. I thought it it, it, it didn't, it managed to, like, it, it totally failed to capitalize on, you know, the 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 previous movie in every way. Mm-hmm. Um, but I never thought it was, you know, I, I never thought it was absolutely awful. I thought it just was. Um, Michael, you go ahead. You go first. Um, okay, so I wasn't here the... Well, yeah, no, I wasn't here the, the episode you guys talked about the previous movies. Mm-hmm. So 
I I love the X Men franchise. It's probably it's probably my favorite Marvel franchise, like comic wise and just in general. Um, the first X Men movie I really like. I mean, yeah, like the people like people always say, it does feel like a glorified pilot. Mm-hmm. But I still think for its time, like it's a, it's a it's a really cool like action superhero movie, but it's very I feel like it's very kind of grounded. It has like a has a lot of dark undertones. The second movie still holds up. The second movie is still like one of the best like superhero sequels. Mm-hmm. I love X Two X Men United. Um, and my I remember my hype was like through the roof for this movie. I feel like this movie was actually one of the first like movie trailers I watched like at my house on my computer like like over and over again. Yeah. It was a good trailer too for the time. It did. It had a really good trailer. And um I just remember being so disappointed when I watched it. I was kinda I was kinda in disbelief at first. When I first watched it I liked it, but then as time went on it just it slowly like soured an opinion. I feel like it's kind of gone up a little bit from some of the other stuff I've seen, especially X Men Origins Wolverine. Yeah. Was he? I it, I don't know. It's kind of weird. I I have to watch movies either multiple times or I have to let them set in because I remember really liking X Men Origins Wolverine when I first saw it, and that movie was like a piece of crap. But um, I don't know. Just. X Men: The Last Stand, like they just they just did stuff that like constantly pissed me off. Like, yeah. As an X Men fan, like they would, and the the thing that really pisses me off is that that they would get things right and then they would get other things like horribly wrong. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like Kelsey Grammer being cast as Beast was perfect. Oh yeah, per- like amazing, perfect. Yeah. yeah, yeah, like perfect casting. And then Ellen Page as Shadow Cat, like that was awesome. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. But then you got, but then you got like, I'm the juggernaut, bitch. Kidding me? And then like you have the the bastardization of Cyclops. I mean, he's barely in the second movie, yeah. and then you kill him off within like the first like 15 minutes of the movie. Which I understand. Apparently, the main reason they did that is because James Marsters was busy doing Superman Returns at the time. Like, where his girl got stolen again yeah that's there, such and that's such a, a weird decision though it's like you're not i'm sorry not not to interrupt but it's like obviously your character in x-men would be a bigger deal than your the the role of stepdad in superman returns like yeah you can either you can either be the leader of the x-men or you can be cucked by superman like what do you want <laughs> but anyway go ahead michael i didn't yeah, need to interrupt no, you're good. And, like, yeah, it's just a double header. It's like Brian Singer left, and then he took James Marster with him. And it's just like. <laughs> and then, yeah, no, and it's just like. I feel like I've kind of. I've kind of grown to like Wolverine more over time, but, like, it just, it just got on my nerves at the time being a hardcore X Men fan. Like, they just, like, shove Wolverine down your throat. And mm-hmm. I, I kind of yeah. got tired of it at that point. Yeah. And. I feel like there's a there's a, the humor like there's a lot of like weird jokes that are just kind of thrown in that don't fit. Yeah. And um, yeah, I feel like this this movie kind of killed like Brett Ratner's <laughs> career. It's like Wolverine could totally be like the Han Solo of the X Men franchise, but like again, like you don't like you don't 
like Cyclops is still supposed to be like the Luke Skywalker, I get or yeah, Cyclops is still supposed to be like the Luke Skywalker in a way, you know, but like yeah, like in hindsight, like that is like really my only gripe with X two is like Cyclops is barely in it. Like it's kind of annoying. Mm-hmm. Um even for X two. But then yeah. with with this one, like, yeah, they just totally they just didn't give a shit. Um but and Kelsey Grammer is beast again. Um, and I, I was familiar with the show Frasier at the time because I would watch it with my pop. And I remember like Michael and Andrew were telling me like, oh, yeah, they got that guy from Frasier, Kelsey Grammer, to be beast. And I was like, that is <laughs> yeah. perfect. Like, and it's like I, I hate to overhype it, but like I feel like we don't – I feel like he doesn't get brought up enough in hindsight. It's like that was really – like he is absolutely wasted in that movie. Um, it was also really I, annoying, like, for me, Beast not being in the franchise since the first movie was always fucking annoying to me. Oh, yeah. 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 Um, but no, but I mean, like, what his moments, like, when he is in it, he makes it count. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, no, like, and he was so fun with it. And you could tell he had fun. Like, mm-hmm. he wasn't one of those guys where it's like, oh, I hate doing this. I don't want to put on all this makeup. Like, you could tell when Kelsey Grammer's on screen, he thought that was just the funniest shit ever. <laughs> Um, yeah. but, but yeah, I, I hear you're quite the animal. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, it's just, it, it's extra worse because it's compared to X2, X-Men United. I mean, the last stand is worse than Spider-Man three. Um, it's yeah. just such, it's such a disappointing third chapter. It's all that goodwill, all that buildup just squandered um and it's still it's still amazing how in a world where we had already had x-men the last stand and even spider-man 3 to a degree because once again spider-man 3 can be defended but there's still flaws there Mm -hmm. in a world where we already had both of those third movies the fact that people had the audacity to give the dark knight rising shit is amazing to me (laughs) um people still hate that movie yeah and it makes no sense but but back to X3 is just it's just so underwhelming. It it really at, at best it is underwhelming. Like yes, yeah. Ellen Page, we're introduced to Ellen Page as a shadow cat and I mean that was really one of her first big things. Mm-hmm. Um because the next year she did Juno, but yeah, I I I love Ellen Page. Um and then she got to do she got to be comic book redeemed later on cuz she was in the Umbrella Academy. Mm-hmm. Um which She's good in that. Um, but yeah, and then Brett Ratner, like, so Brian Singer pieces out, and it's like, oh man, who who do we have to complete the trilogy? We get the Rush Hour guy. Like, <laughs> I, I still don't understand that logic. Um, and, and yeah, it's just... And then Wolverine, like, I don't know. It, it all seemed phoned in. I don't know. I'm going to be talking in circles here. But yeah, X3, just underwhelming, phoned in a wasted opportunity. Yeah. And I think also it just, uh, the biggest reason that it's hated so much is just because of how poorly it handled probably the most famous X-Men story. The, uh, dark yeah. Phoenix. Yeah. Um, yeah. And they still can't get it right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like they had, they had a legit do over. They get like, they got the call take back season. They still fucked it up. <laughs> Yeah, you know, you know, you know, you know, it's the fucked up thing. Have you guys seen Dark Phoenix? 
No. I have not. No. I have not. It's it's arguably worse than The Last Stand. Oh, wow. Now I have to watch it. <laughs> I, I will say, though, like, I'm just going to pretend that the X-Men franchise ended with Apocalypse because, yes, Apocalypse is not amazing or perfect, but, like, it's still an enjoyable time, I think. Yeah, no, it's 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 just like the not to get off topic, but like the Dark Phoenix, like it's so it's so dark and drab, like it has like no emotion. Mm-hmm. They don't have like I feel like they barely even like attempt any humor. And like what they were gonna do with the villain, like I didn't see that coming. Like the the, the villains of the movie is kind of interesting. Mm-hmm. But it's and then they just. They do the and like it's not really a spoiler, but like they just do the same old shit with fucking Magneto. And oh, we're like, yeah. Like the most wasted actor and character of all time. Like Michael Fassbender as Magneto in First Class was perfect. Mm-hmm. And even in Days of Future Past, like he had less to do, but what he did do was great. But like mm-hmm. even in Apocalypse, they just keep doing the same thing. It's like, oh well, Magneto goes off into his own thing. And they bring him back. It's like, oh, is he a bad guy or is he a good guy? Like, yeah, the, an- the animated series did that a lot too. Yeah, it's like, and that was like that was what Nick Mundy said, where he's like, you got to give it to Brian Singer. He made millions of dollars to just make the same movie over and over again. Because how many times does Magneto do something bad and Charles Xavier just forgives him by the last five minutes of the movie? Yeah, <laughs> and that, that that it happens fucking again. I'll fucking do it again. <laughs> yeah, it's just like Jesus. Let's move on to the next movie, Cars by Pixar. I've mentioned before, Cars is, like the Cars franchise as a whole is like just my least favorite bit of the Pixar lexicon. Yeah. Um, Like so much so, I've only seen Cars 1 and I've never seen Cars 2 or 3. I have no desire to watch Cars 2 or 3. I mean, it's, I just feel like it's a movie that lacks really any sort of depth. I mean, it's just, it's very paper thin just on the surface, just, you know, what if cars had feelings? We. Um, <laughs> I, I do have a funny story about Cars 3, though. I remember when the movie first got announced, I was sitting in, um, when they had like the first previews going in the theaters for Cars 3, I was sitting, I forget what movie I was seeing, with my ex, and um, the preview came up for Cars 3. And like the whole trailer is literally just Lightning McQueen wiping out on the, on the track and like eating shit and his tires are flying off and everything. <laughs> and it just, it just comes up and says cars three. And I just go, huh, we'll miss you three. And this big fucking dude sitting right in front of us just goes, <laughs> you tickle his fan. Oh yeah. Um, but you guys go ahead and talk about cars. Um, Honestly, I have virtually nothing to say about the movie itself. I mean, I, I don't dislike it. Like, I saw it once, and I was just like, huh. And then I just moved on with my life. But, um, but yeah, 2006, instead of, like, the year of the dragon or the snake, um, 2006 was definitely the year of the cable guy. <laughs> but, um, no, the main thing to be said is, like, it's amazing how for years all anybody wanted was a sequel to The Incredibles, but instead Disney was like, oh, you mean a Cars trilogy? <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah. once again, I will repeat that. We got an entire Cars trilogy before we got The Incredibles 2. Um, yeah. Yeah. 
that's 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 all I have to say about it. So go ahead, Mike. That's all I had to say about that. Yeah. Um. Yeah, I'm I'm kind of in the same ballpark. I saw Cars once and never watched it again. I haven't. I didn't watch the sequels because I heard two was terrible, and I heard three was decent enough. But at that point, like I hadn't seen two. I had watched the first one like years ago, so I was like, "Well, what's the point of watching three? Yeah. Um, I remember my little brother like he really liked it when he was like really really little, but I don't think he's ever mentioned it since. <laughs> Because it, I don't know, I and that's the thing. I feel like when it came out, it was everywhere. I mean, don't get yeah. me wrong. Like I like Pixar movies when they come out, they always have like big marketing and stuff like that. But I think, and I noticed like a lot of fans were like grown ups. Yeah. Like, like mainly like like car dudes, like car <laughs> car grease monkey dude bros would like go to Walmart and like collect like the car cars, and I'm just like, okay, <laughs> the car cars, <laughs> I love it. car cars. I got to get my vroom vrooms. Um, no, the, no, like I, cars, cars. I'll I'll definitely second that. Like, like there wasn't really much merchandise to sell to kids about Up. Um, <laughs> other than I guess, other than I guess you want to sell them like the playset for the hospital bed. But um, <laughs> um, um, and then like with Wally, it's like okay, you can have like a like a, a Woomba version of um. Uh, a Roomba version of uh, Wally, but it's like, I always forget you know, Wally even fucking existed. But no, like to, to to add to add to Michael's point, I think like they went like full blast on the merchandise for cars. Yeah, they did. Like <laughs> anything they could have slapped it on, they did. Oh yeah, I mean like yeah, like car bumper stickers, car you know racetracks, car ventilators, car like, they cars, did it all. <laughs> car, <laughs> car cars. Um, I do love like the the sarcastic fan theory that like cars is the aftermath of um of uh, maximum overdrive and uh and there's another movie uh, Christine yeah Christine maximum overdrive and then cars takes place in the future <laughs> they kill all the humans and then they start talking yeah so but yeah, I, I honestly think um that would be a very horrifying apocalypse is like the most famous uh. <laughs> The most famous sentient car just has Owen Wilson's voice. <laughs> Could you? Wow. Wow. <laughs> oh, God, I hate it. No, no, no. I, I got no beef with Owen Wilson. Just the, only thing, the only thing worse than cars was that fucking spinoff with Dane Cook planes. Oh, yeah. my, my. They got a spinoff, too. Like, fuck. My nephew, my nephew, like, was all about those two movies. Like, it was Planes and then Planes, Fire, and Rescue. Um, yeah. He was all about that. Mm. So. All right, question of the night. Does Lightning McQueen have life insurance or car insurance? Um, <laughs> car insurance. All right. Yeah. Does, Sponge does, SpongeBob have, does SpongeBob have flood insurance? Um, no. Okay. Yeah. Next movie. <laughs> Pirates of the Caribbean, Dead Man's Chest. Uh, in my opinion, this is the best, best Pirates of the Caribbean movie. Um, it's, like, the first one, like, we talked before about how Curse of the Black Pearl was, like, the return of, like, the, the fun summer adventure. Dead Man's Chest just, like, kicks up to 11. Like, it's just even more fun, even more action. Just even more of, like, all of that. Um, 
And I mean, it's definitely better than, you know, World's End. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. I mean, what do you guys got to say about Dead Man's Chest? Go ahead, Mike. Also, like, let's just take a minute and talk about, like, the fucking, like, what they did, how they did Davy Jones in that movie is fucking awesome. Yeah, I'll give it yeah. that. Yeah. yeah. That's, like, the way motion capture should be. Yeah. Well, because you can tell in his face, like, he still looks like Bill Nye. Um, yeah. So, but, yeah. Um, but, yeah, again, go ahead, Mike. You can talk first on that. Um, yeah, no, I agree with Donnie. It's it's probably my personal favorite of the trilogy. You can, I say that too because I haven't seen four and five, which I'm I'm gonna say they probably don't top it. But um, you're not missing out. <laughs> but um, yeah, no, I think I don't know. I think I always thought the plot with Davy Jones was really cool. Mm. I mean, they, they could have wrapped it up a little better. <laughs> Mm-hmm. But um, like just just the aesthetic of like, I feel like they they made like a good jump from like the villains of the first movie to the second movie. Like Barbosa was like the cursed pirates, and like they look like they're undead. But then like then you go to Davy Jones and like the Flying Dutchman, like how it can go underwater like a submarine, mm-hmm. and all his crew members like they look like they're like part of like part fish or some kind of sea creature. Mm-hmm. And even like with um. Like, Will Turner's dad, like, how he has, like, the starfish and all the stuff, like, stuck to his face. Um, I always, always liked his, like, Davy Jones' like, right-hand man who was, like, a hammerhead shark guy. Mm-hmm. I always thought he was really cool looking. Um, and I, yeah, and I, I liked how they, I, I liked how they had the side villain with, like, the East India Trading Company. Mm-hmm. I kind of liked him at first, but then, like, by the third movie, they were kind of annoying. Yeah. But, um... Yeah, no, and I, I, I will say though that one of the things that I didn't like about Dead Man's Chest is that I feel like they were starting. I mean, even though Johnny Depp was top build, mm-hmm. it's kind of like it's kind of like the Wolverine thing we just had, like or the Han Solo argument. Like I feel like Jack Sparrow is better as like the, the supporting. Yeah, he's yeah. like, but since everybody loves him, like he has to be the main character now because like Will. Will was kind of the hero, but then he kind of gets put on the back burner now. Yeah. Yeah, I that's one of my problems. And I even, I remember even, like, I mean, I know, like, they eventually, like, uh, like, at the end of the movie, like, when, like, Keira Knightley kisses, like, Jack Sparrow, it's just, just a distraction to, like, string him up or whatever, like, the mm-hmm. time the mast. But, like... The whole thing where like Jack Sparrow keeps looking at the compass and like it points to what you want the most, and it keeps pointing to her. Like I didn't like how they were doing this whole like love triangle thing, and I'm like, oh fucking gag me. Yeah, I was like, I was like, <laughs> really? Like, are you gonna have Jack Sparrow like steal Will, Will Turner's girl? Like, it's fucking lame. 2006, the year of the cuck. Yeah. <laughs> Jeez, you peas, stop. <laughs> and I like, I I don't know, I just liked how it was like. It was like a like the first movie. They were going after a treasure. Like it was like Davy Jones's heart and the mm-hmm. chest and stuff like that. And fighting. Her. I love the whole scene where they're like fighting over the keys and like the chest, and they keep going back and forth. Mm-hmm. But um, no, it's just it's just an overall fun movie. I wish there were more movies like that nowadays. Yeah. Yeah. Um. So I still I still prefer the first one. Um. 
mainly because the first one does actually have an ending. And my issue with Dead Man's Chest is, and it's it's a fun time, it's a fun movie, but like the main thing for me that holds it back is that it's my same issue with The Matrix Reloaded, is that it's a part two that is just one giant setup for part three. So how I remember this part two completely, ultimately, depends on what I think of part three. And Pirates of the Caribbean at World's End is just an absolute chore that I did not like at all. So that ultimately just kind of dirties Dead Man's Chest for me. Um, and then I just... But, I mean, you want to talk... Nobody was more excited for this movie than my dad. Um, <laughs> he, he loved... I mean, I'm surprised he never got a Black Pearl neck tattoo. But <laughs> he, he loved the first movie. And keep in mind, like, he was so pumped for this one. My brother-in-law took him to the midnight premiere for it. Like, in, wow. in like, the Virginia, D.C. area. Like, my dad who falls asleep at 8 p.m., <laughs> was so excited for this movie. At 60 years old, he went to the midnight premiere for it. Like, if that doesn't paint as perfect a picture as you need, I don't know what will. And then with me, <laughs> I was very sore at it because my favorite movie that summer or the movie that I was most excited for was Superman Returns. And this movie basically aided in the murdering of Superman Returns' box office. Like, it was just the movie yeah. that just completely overshadowed it. And then and then when I wanted to see Superman Returns a second time, I wanted to go with my sister. She drove me to the theater. It was the second weekend. It was the first for second weekend for Superman Returns, first weekend for Pirates of the Caribbean. And they were like, oh, well, Superman Returns is sold out because Pirates of the Caribbean Dead Man's Chest sold out, so everybody who still wanted to see a movie, just went into Superman Returns, so they had something to see. And I remember just going home in the car being like, I fucking hate Dead Man's Chest so much. <laughs> well, I mean, I mean, the plot of Superman Returns didn't really help his box office either. True, true. But, but yeah, so it was, it, was, it was just a bad... Superman Returns just did not get the timing right at all. Um, yeah. But, and also, like, if anyone, well, literally nobody's going to be wondering this, but um, I personally requested for Superman Returns to be omitted from this episode because I have an idea for a future episode that I would bring it up in. So that's why, just in case you're like, well, if you love Superman Returns so much, why why don't you talk about it later this episode? But that's why. So I, I, I digest. <laughs> oh, yeah, I forgot to say, like, I always really like the, the, even though, like, like you said, it just leads to a third parter. I really like the twist in Dead Man's Chest. Oh, no, yeah, I agree. I mean, I mean, like, the movie's fucking, what, 14 years old now, but, yeah, Barbosa comes back. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Oh, no, that, I mean, the final shot, I mean, yes, yes, I'm like, I was kind of ragging it for being a to-be-continued, but the final scene in the movie is, like, super fun. Like, it puts a grin on your face. Yeah. Yeah. And then, I mean, that was another reason why, like, I was disappointed with at World's End because, like, I was like, "Oh, Bob Bros is going to be a good guy now." That's actually kind of cool. Um, and then, like, yeah, <laughs> but yeah, no, nobody had more fun in, this, in these movies than Jeffrey Rush. Like, he had an absolute blast. You could tell. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah. All right. Next movie, Clerks Two. 
This is another great uh, Buddy uh, Night movie. Um, I saw, I finally saw Clerks two for the first time, like maybe a, a year or two ago. And I mean, I love this movie. I love the original Clerks. Um, I hope Clerks three gets off the ground. Yeah. Um, when it comes to the question of what's better, Clerks one or Clerks two? Honestly, personally, I think they're pretty equal for different reasons. I love how Clerks 2 has a more, I guess, heartfelt and personal story in the sense of, you know, the story of one friend being depressed that his best friend is leaving forever, potentially. Yeah, yeah. Um, And just, you know, dealing with that and then on top of the feelings of feeling like, you know, I've, I I peaked a long time ago and I I got no direction in my life. Um, Mm Yeah. There's also just a ton of like really outrageous quotable moments in this movie. I mean, nothing more outrageous outrageous than the donkey scene, of course. Kinky yeah. Kelly and the sexy stud. Yep. Ooh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, Mike, what do you got to say about Clerks Two? Uh, I love Clerks Two. It's it's one of my favorite comedies. Um. I, I really just remember watching it in the movie theater and just laughing, like, yeah. from start to finish. Hey, uh, I'm bringing it back. Yeah. Oh, God. <laughs> I'm taking it back. You watch. But, uh, <laughs> um, but no, I just, like, it's just, it's so funny from start to finish. Um, I think I, I love Kevin Smith movies. I would say... I think I actually think this one is better than Clerks One. I think Clerks One is very um it's kinda of a little more like dry humor. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Where this one it has more heart, it has more kind of like laugh out loud, slapstick stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like Clerks One is much more um Clerks One is more about the situations, whereas Clerks Two is more about the characters. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, um, yeah. Just there's so many jokes that are great in that movie. <laughs> I love the whole argument over uh, Star Wars versus Lord of the Rings. Yeah, mm-hmm. there's only one return, and it's not of the king; it's of, of the, the Jedi. Jedi. And then he just makes fun of like how they just walk all three movies. Yeah, mm-hmm. I love it. Then he's like, even the fucking trees walked in that movie. <laughs> <laughs> Um, yeah, no, Randall, Randall's just hilarious. Um, little, actually a little like piece of trivia about me with the movie. When I went, um, to sci-fi Valley con a few years ago with my brother, um, Brian O'Halloran, the guy who plays Dante was actually there. Mm -hmm. And, um, I got to meet him and talk to him real quick. And I, he actually, um, I brought my copy of Clerks 2 on DVD, mm-hmm. yep. and he autographed it for me. <laughs> he, yep. I, I met him at that same convention, and he autographed uh, my copy of Clerks 1, and he spelled my name wrong. Oh, did he? Yeah. <laughs> oh, man. So thanks, Dante. <laughs> That's funny. He's like, how do you mess up Donnie? <laughs> he spelled it with a Y, uh, like, like, like everyone I've known since middle school. Oh, wow. But <laughs> I love it. He, he put a quote when he signed it and he put, you never go ask to mouth. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. On mine, he put, I'm 37 question mark. <laughs> yeah, no, that was, that was great. Yeah. But, um, I actually met the guy too, who 
he was in the first movie. He was the guy like who was like the anti-smoking thing, and like he was just yeah. working for a gum company. Company. I remember that yeah. dude being there and just thinking like, "Wow, this is kind of sad." <laughs> hey, you got to pay the bill somehow, man. You're right. Got your got your one claim to fame. <laughs> <laughs> He's a uh, nice guy. Yeah, he, he was really nice. Um, but um, no, I I love Clerk. I would that's thing. I would die to meet Kevin Smith and just talk to him. That would be awesome. I mean, he has. I mean, really... you roll you roll a big enough doobie, he'll show up on the podcast. I'm sure. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, no, I just he hasn't really made any great movies recently. I I didn't get to see the new Jane Silent Bob. I, it's I good. It's, is it good? I liked it. I mean, I just, if you if you like Jay and Silent Bob, you're gonna like it. Um, okay. You're gonna like it, and you're gonna know exactly what to expect. Okay, I was just kind of worried how it, like it didn't go to like it didn't have like a worldwide or like a big release at least. Yeah, kind of like eh, that doesn't seem like it's good. Um, but yeah, because he was kind of he was kind of going in a different direction. Like he was making like horror movies, and then he did Yoga Hosers, which Yoga Hosers was okay. I didn't see it. It was just kind of like a a fun movie he did with his daughter and his daughter's friend, which I mean it was it was okay. Um, it felt really like low budget, but um, no, I I love Clerks too. It's it's definitely one of my favorite comedies ever. Um, yeah, I I love I agree I love Clerks too. I think it surpasses the first one. Um, it's. I mean, the first one is a great start. It's a great, like, beginning, especially for Kevin Smith. But Clerks 2 is just more profound um, emotionally. Um, you know, it, it deals with regret, uh, potential, um, you know, uh, nostalgia, you know. And, um, and uh, yeah, I, I think Clerks 2 is just funnier. Um, Clerks 1, once again, yeah, I agree with with you guys like it's just more dry but yeah I, <laughs> I mean because of that movie I never did this before but because of that movie I actually really do get Anne Frank mixed up with Ellen Keller yeah. and it, it didn't ha- it didn't happen until I saw that movie you see the funny thing is I actually did that a lot before I ever saw that movie <laughs> I never did that beforehand but then after I saw that movie I do it <laughs> she's um, blind as Anne Frank he explains like he explains that Helen Keller is the blind deaf and dumb girl that had the miracle worker and he's just like oh okay then who the fuck's Anne Frank <laughs> you know she hid from the Nazis she wrote the diary <laughs> um, but and then yeah like the entire joke where he's trying to take a certain name back it's okay I'm bringing it back like <laughs> Fucking Wanda Sykes and her husband, like, oh come on, baby, you can't taste racism. <laughs> I mean, it's not like they called us that. Yeah. <laughs> and, and oh god, and then um, uh, what, what's his name? Who? He's not the same character, but he he was the um, Jason. Oh shoot, um, he was the main character in Mallrats. Um, oh, Jason Lee. Jason Lee, he's he in this as pickle fucker. Pickle fucker. <laughs> oh man! And then just hearing his nickname just like makes you laugh. And then like this pickle movie, fucker. 
this movie like basically announced that there was going to be a Transformers movie because there's an entire conversation about that. And I wonder, I wonder if there was anybody who was watching this movie or just, you know, not the people that surf the web and, you know, Jesus Christ, when's the last time anyone literally said surf the web? But anyway, <laughs> um, yeah. not people that keep up with movie news and stuff, but they saw this movie and they're like, oh, oh yeah, well, they just made up a random conversation. They just wanted to make a Transformers joke. And then they see that there actually is a Transformers movie coming out the next summer, and they're like, oh my god, Clerks 2 wasn't lying. <laughs> um, but yeah. And then I like I like the character of... Um, What's what's his name? His real name's Trevor in real life, but he was he was like the new kid. He was like the the Elias. Elias. Yeah. Yeah. I I actually really liked him. I thought he was a really good addition. He was, um, I love when I love when he's uh he's he's talking to Picklefucker. I forget what he's talking about. And then like Randall gets mad at him. He's like, Shut the fuck up, Gobot. And then <laughs> and then Picklefucker's like, Hey, go easy on him. They're like the Kmart Transformers. <laughs> yeah, and and then the the entire story about pillow pants. It's just, yeah, <laughs> uh, women it's just like, like scary music as he's telling it. Yeah, um, and he's was, like, "You guys have kissed at least." He's like, "We would if it wasn't for Lister Fiend." <laughs> Lister Fiend is her mouth troll, isn't it? Oh, women. <laughs> um, I love what the when the the donkey show is happening. And he's all fucking drunk. He's like, I hope that donkey doesn't have a hiney troll. <laughs> um, I was surprised to never see him in anything else. Like, I was a little bummed out with that. I was, I don't know. When I see something like that happen, it's like, really? Nobody else making comedies at the time saw that and was like, oh, wait, yeah, I, I think I have a spot for him in my movie. Like, yeah. I, I don't know. I can't help but think that. Um, but no, I thought he was a good addition. Um, Rosario Dawson was great. It's just... It's just a much more profound, heartfelt story, um, and uh, and honestly, like if Kevin Smith never makes another View Askew universe, Jay and Silent Bob universe movie, and he never gets to make Clerks three, Clerks two is honestly like probably as perfect an ending as you can make. Yeah, it does have a good ending. Yeah, no, it's it's probably a near perfect ending. Have so. you guys heard what the plot for Clerks 3 supposedly is supposed to be? I I hear he keeps changing it, but what have you heard? The last I heard, and like if this ends up being the case, I think it's a great way to go. Uh, apparently, the plot. The last I heard, the plot for Clerks 3 is that basically, um, it, it gets like it goes full meta, where basically somebody comes in to film like a biopic documentary about like the convenience store and like their shenanigans that have happened in it over the years. So it goes like full circle, full meta. Well, that's yeah, cool. that's, that's what Kevin Smith actually didn't realize. He worked at the quick, quick stop with his friends. <laughs> no, like what's, you know, it's really crazy more than anything. Cause you know, like, you know, it ends with Dante and Rosario Dawson. Um, they're going to have a kid. Mm -hmm. Like, by the time they would make Clerks Three, like their kid would be in high school. Yeah, yeah. Like, like that's that's crazy. Yeah. So I don't know. The 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 plot will definitely have to revolve around like the kid's reaction to them being their parents. You know. Um, yeah. And well, and then I remember like uh, Kevin Smith's daughter. He she she uh cameoed in the movie. Like she was a little kid in the restaurant that Dante waves to. Yeah, I was like, yeah. now she's now she's an adult making movies, so yeah. that's how much time has passed. 
yeah, it's it's a beautiful movie. It's funny and it's a beautiful movie. I love it. Let's move on to Talladega Nights, the Ballad of Ricky Bobby. <laughs> Hi, I'm Ricky Bobby. If you don't do Big Red, then fuck you. <laughs> I'm about to jump on you like a spider monkey. I'm about to jump on Mountain Dew. You can't talk to me like that. Yes, I can. I said with all due respect. You can say whatever you want to someone as long as you start with with all due respect. It's in the Geneva Convention. Yeah. I may be 10 years old, but I'll beat your ass. <laughs> this movie, this is another movie that's just like completely fucking stupid, but you can't help but quote it and laugh at it. <laughs> I Go ahead, Donnie. No, go ahead. I... Nobody laughed harder at this movie. I remember Michael, Andrew, and I went to see it with my family in Virginia um, opening weekend. And, like, nobody laughed harder at this movie than my brother-in-law. Like, he was crying. He was in tears. And he's not, like, he's a very reserved, neutral, mild, you know, person. But he was, like, laughing at this until he had tears rolling down his face. You can almost quote the entire movie from beginning to end, but... My personal favorite joke was the like the one-off standalone, completely dropped-off joke where John C. Riley moves into his house because he starts a relationship with his wife. Yeah, and his house is haunted. Yeah, and, and he's like, "Hey, man, I think your house is haunted." And he's like, <laughs> "What?" And he asks him like, "Why are you trying to turn up the stereo and the TV at the same time?" Because I like to party. And, <laughs> and he. he he hangs up. He hangs up the phone, and you just hear the house go, get out. Yeah. And he, he looks around. The best, thing, the best thing about that joke is, like, they never come back to it. Like, that's yeah. it. Like, the house is haunted. That's it. Yep. So, yeah, that's my personal favorite. Michael, you go ahead. Uh, I, I fucking love this movie. It may be... It's, it's, it's hard. I mean... My favorite Will Ferrell movie is definitely Step Brothers, but like this is very, very close. I don't know. I always I felt like I had a personal connection with this movie because my dad is really into NASCAR. Like he's <laughs> a NASCAR fan, yeah. and I think that I think that made this movie like even funnier because yeah. like I mean I wasn't like I mean I respect the the sport and everything, but I I was never like a fan fan of NASCAR. Mm-hmm. I just, you know, I watched it with my dad, but that's just what made it funny is that I would actually watch this, the real like NASCAR than seeing this, and it just, it's just so funny, like what they do with it. <laughs> and I feel like this movie has like a lot of like subtle little jokes that are really funny. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, uh, I love at the end where they, because uh, the whole thing, like they're, they've had like the whole thing where, um, Cal Naughton Jr., who's John C. Riley, like, married, like, Ricky Bobby's wife. <laughs> like, stole his wife. And then they're, like, shake and bake, and he's like, nope, never again. He's like, you're the magic man, and I'm El Diablo. Oh, wow, El, El Diablo, that's cool. What's that mean? It's, like, Spanish for a fighting chicken. <laughs> that was so funny. I also love how his kids were named Walker and Texas Ranger. Yeah. And then the wife's like, she's like, if we were raising a bunch of sissies, we'd name them Dr. Quinn and Medicine Woman. 
And Jane Lynch is his mom. That that was fucking great. Oh, and, no, his dad yeah. was perfect. Yeah, too. Kevin Bacon and and no, uh, Gary. No, Cole. no, Gary Coleman. Gary Coleman. No, Gary Cole. Gary Cole. I'm sorry. Gary, Gary Coleman. <laughs> Jesus Christ! <laughs> what you talking about? What you talking about, Willie? What you talking about, Ricky? I, I think I think I I flubbed worse than it being Kevin Bacon, but um, he the Gary Cole looks like Kevin Bacon. Yeah, that, yeah, he he really does. That's that's one of like. My personal runner-up jokes is like, you you expect this big confrontation, this profound like double meaning or whatever. But he's like, I based my whole life around what you told me. I lived every day based on what you said to me when I was a kid. You said if you ate first, you last, and then the answer is just simply, "Oh hell, Ricky, I was hot when I said that." <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and the funny thing is, is like you already knew he was because when you rewatch that scene when he comes in when he's like a preteen. He's like, how long has it been, son? He's like, ten years. He's like, whoa, I gotta lay off the peyote. Yeah. <laughs> but when he gets first kicked out of the restaurant, he just screams, "Applebee's has rats! I found one of my Cobb salad." Yeah, I found one of my Cobb salad. <laughs> no, I just love where he's like, he's like, first you if you ain't first, you last. I live my life by that. Well, shit, Ricky, that doesn't make any sense. You can be first, second, third, fourth. Hell, you can even be fifth. <laughs> Uh, no, that and like Sasha Baron Cohen as the quote unquote villain, like, is so funny. Yeah, I love her. Like he he turns on like the classical music. And they're like, hey, he's like turn that shit off. He's like, why is it on the jukebox? And the bartender's just like, we keep it on there so we can profile people. <laughs> we also got the pet shop boys and seal. <laughs> <laughs> and then I got to throw it to one of the like quick like little jokes that like has to be fucking dying is like it's right before that part and like his pit crew is like there at the bar and the one pit crew member is like oh you know it's it's my grandma's birthday's coming up it's like but I don't know what to get her I mean she's 87 and the other pit crew guy just goes get her a coffin away <laughs> <laughs> I loved uh, Michael Clark Duncan as as his uh, pit crew chief <laughs> oh. Don't you put and, that evil on me, Ricky Bobby. Oh, that's probably like the the I mean, other than like all the little small jokes, that's probably the great scene in it is like when he stabs his own leg. Yeah. <laughs> it's just like, okay, we're we're gonna use this knife to pry it out, and then put a second knife in his leg. Yeah, it's like we're gonna cut around. I hope you both have beautiful, beautiful sons, and I hope they can't walk. Don't you put that evil on me, Ricky Bobby. Don't you put that evil on me. And then I love Michael Clark Duncan's moment in the bloopers when he's like, sometimes I like to dress up like Donna Summers. Last <laughs> chance. Romance. <laughs> and Wolf Arrow just starts like, what's the hell? <laughs> yeah. And then he's, he's trying to act like he's hurt. And then he starts coughing. He's like, I'm joking on my own spit. And then he, even just like the fake commercials where it's like life insurance or whatever. And John C. Riley's like, the darkness is creeping on your loved ones as we speak. <laughs> And they talk about, like, it's like wild dogs that have taken over, like, half of the city. <laughs> it's like, when you when there's a movie like that, you have to think, like, if the movie's, like, two hours long, there has to be, like, six hours of bloopers. Like, how can yeah. you do any of those scenes with a straight face on the first take? <laughs> yeah. No, I, I don't know if I told you guys. I actually, not too long ago... I bought like a Ricky Bobby like Wonder Bread hat, like it's the white hat <laughs> with like flames on it. Oh damn! 
Like, like Leanne looks at me, she's like, you're really not going to go in public with that, are you? <laughs> you goddamn better believe it. I was like, yes, I am. Great. Next movie, Accepted. Now, this, I don't want to say it's an underrated movie, but it is kind of a movie that flew under the radar, and it is a funny movie. And I think in a lot of ways it does bring up a lot of uh, a lot of good talking points about like the modern American college system. <laughs> and how it takes advantage of of its students, um, mm-hmm. and it does yeah. have some great humor in it. But I will never forgive this movie for making Lewis like making people like this is the beginning of when people started taking Lewis Black way too fucking seriously. Yeah, <laughs> like he <laughs> like Lewis Black is a much better person than Joe Rogan is. But this like he in a way he was Joe Rogan before Joe Rogan. Too many white dudes took Lewis Black seriously, and it's like he, he's he's just a comedian who's like angry all the time. Like there's there's nothing profound going on here. Well, I remember one of the things yeah. you said about your one buddy who like loved him. You're like, okay, Lewis Black. You know, it's one thing to think he has a funny joke here and there, but it's another thing to act like he's a prophet speaking the truth. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. But. Yeah. Well, what what else is there to say about accepted? I mean, like I said, it's it's just a funny movie that kind of flew under the radar. Um, I mean, the whole premise of the movie about how you know a kid who couldn't get into college kind of like starts his own college so his parents don't get mad at him. Mm-hmm. Um, and I mean, like I said, it, 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 in the process of you know creating that college and like other kids coming to that school because they're like, shit, we didn't get into school either, and we're just trying to find a place to belong. Like, yeah. You know, because this came out when, you know, I was starting high school and then, like, you know, starting to think about college. It really kind of spoke to me in that sense in terms of, you know, trying, like, you know, when, when you're going to college and you're moving on after high school, trying to find your place in the world, find the, trying to find your where you belong in the world. And like I said, I also think it just brings up some points about how the, you know, and, and not in necessarily a highbrow way, but it does bring up some points about how some decent talking points about how the college system does, you know, take advantage of its students in a lot of ways. Yeah. Um, but that's what I got to say about it. It's, and this was also another early Jonah Hill role. Oh yeah. Ask me about my wiener. Ask me about my um, wiener. Again, Ask me about my wiener. One, once again, like to, to time travel back to the set when he's in the hot dog costume and everyone's like, Oh, get it. You know, like the fat curly haired kid is in the hot dog costume just to bounce back then and be like, hey, guess who's going to have two Oscar nominations within 10 years? Like, but, um, no, it's it's a very, it's a very fun, admirable, charming, good-natured movie. Um, it's just PG, modern-day PG-13 Animal House in a way. Yeah. And, yeah. and I remember, I remember, yeah, and it's just like, I, every, every several years, I have the random urge to rewatch it. And I remember, like, a few years ago, I watched it, like, twice in the same week. Just, like, it's just a very, like, pleasant comedy to have on. Um, yeah. And and I just remember Trevor and I hanging out with our one friend Dennis one night. And Dennis, Dennis just literally says, man, when I watch Accepted, it just gets me so mad. Because I watch it, I'm like, man, why can't college be like that in real life? And Trevor goes, that's the entire plot of the movie <laughs> it's, it's the entire point of the story <laughs> but um, yeah. yeah and it's just 
don't know. I I think this is an under. I think it is okay to call it an underrated movie because it is. Um, it was. It was. I'm sure it was popular and remembered for the rest of that year. But then, like, it just kind of just went away. Um, and I feel like Justin Long as a protagonist was underrated and underappreciated. Yeah. Um, he's a very relatable person when when you see him in anything. Um, and yeah, no, I, I wish. I don't know. I just I just wish he had done more, or you know, people had put him in more. Um, I'm sure he's doing fine, and like he pops up here and there now and then, but. No, I, I think we kind of took him for granted as, like, the relatable, like, millennial everyman. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's what I have to say about it. You go ahead, Mike. Um, yeah, no, I totally agree. I, I love Justin Long. He's he's a very underrated actor. I wish, I wish he would have gotten bigger. I mean, he had, like, that, like, mid-2000s where he was, like, in a lot of movies. Mm-hmm. I wish he was – I just wish, like, he kind of stuck around more. There was almost a race going on between like him and Shia LaBeouf for like who was gonna be like, you know, the big star like you know of their kind of like age range, I guess. Um, yeah. Yeah. No, him, Justin Long, and Emil Hirsch. It felt like they all three of them were in a race with each other. Mm-hmm. They're trying to be like the next like star who like, you know, was just like the, the you know, slim millennial like brown haired dude. Um, yeah, it's like, and now all three of them don't really do much. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, um, Jonah Hill, kind of, or yeah, Jonah Hill. Um, Shia LaBeouf kind of made himself become an indie darling more than anything else. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I I really like Justin Long. I always liked him. He was really good in um, um, Live Free or Die Hard. Oh yeah. Um, my it's. One of my personal favorite horror films, uh, Jeepers Creepers. He's like the lead. Uh, he, him, and the girl who plays the sister are like the lead characters. I always thought he was really good in that. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, no, I, I, I really wish he would uh, get more work. He actually, he kept being in like the later Kevin Smith movies. Like yeah. he, he was in Zack and Mary Make a Porno, and then he was in Tusk, and then he was in Yoga Hosers. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's 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 like the the experienced uh, pornographic like legendary actor in Zack and Mary. Mm-hmm. Yeah, dude, he's he's married to Brandon Routh. Yeah, yeah. Um, uh. but um, no, I mean, as far as um, except it goes, no, that's it's you know, it's just it's I feel like it's an underrated feel good movie. Yeah, it's a lot of fun to watch. I always like that the name they come up for their school is the South Harmon Institute for Technology, and their initials are shit. Yeah. <laughs> I never and even they, realized that. Yeah, and, like, the students, they call themselves the shitheads. Yeah. Like, the student body. Um, wasn't Blake Lively was the love interest in that, right? Yes. Yeah. yeah. I think yeah. that was, like, one of her first movies she was in, because I know she was, like, in television, but I think that was, like, one of her first movies. Yeah, that was probably when she was like doing Gossip Girl. Yeah. Um, yeah, no, it's just it's just a fun feel good. I feel like there's a lot of those like comedies they've kind of gotten lost in the shuffle. Like I can't I can't remember this movie the year this movie came out. It's probably a couple years from now or a couple years from 2006. But I, when I think of this movie, I always think of like Sex Drive too. 
Sex Drive was like 2009, and that is a um, criminally underrated movie. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. And that, I mean, that movie is more raunchier than this movie, but I feel like <laughs> they kind of they kind of have the same feel. Like it's like a raunchy college level story, but with but with heart. Yeah. Well, and and I think like in a broad sense, in a general sense, like I kind of wish, like I kind of miss the era of the like late high school, early college, like buddy comedy. Um, just high school comedies and college comedies, you know, like Mean Girls and, and this. And then also, like, this is a PG-13 rated, like, movie. Like, if it were if it, if it were to be attempted today, they would automatically make it R, mm-hmm. and they would have, like... And I'm not trying to pl- clench my pearls on this one, but it's just, like, they would they would force it to be raunchy for the sake of being raunchy, as opposed to, like, if the creators and writers of the story just intended for that to begin with. Um, right. But yeah, like, like now it's like you either have to be like a, a cartoon or a superhero movie, or if you're going to be a comedy, it automatically has to be rated R. Like, right. It's just not as diverse anymore. I feel like. Yeah. But yeah. yeah. Back to you though, Mike. I didn't mean to take it from you. No, no, that's that's pretty much all I got. <laughs> yeah. Well, then let's move on to our next movie, Idiocracy. Now. <laughs> I love this movie, but I also hate it at the same time because for similar reasons to V for Vendetta, this was a movie that way too many people took fucking seriously. Like, it spawned all these people for the longest time. Ooh, this is what America's actually going to be like. This is what we're actually turning into. It's like, it's just a fucking movie, dude. Like, <laughs> but goddamn, is this movie so fucking funny. Um, <laughs> so many quotes, too. And Dax Shepard played his role way too fucking well in this movie. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, how many times have we said that line to to each other? Go away, Baton. Um, not literally, but yes. <laughs> yeah. Carl's Jr. Fuck you. I'm eating. Your entire family is now owned by Carl's Jr. Then <laughs> just. No, speaking of go away bait, just like when he's watching the bait network, and he's just—it's just like that—that that, that commercial of a foot cutting a steak with a knife and fork. He's just like, "Oh yeah, cut me a piece." <laughs> but <laughs> Brando's got what plants crave. It's got electro electrolytes. Do you even know what electrolytes are? Do you? Do you even know? No, you gotta use water. You mean like from the toilet? It doesn't have to be from the toilet, but yes. <laughs> It's just like the Secretary of Education is that one guy in the corner of the room staring at a snow globe. Yeah. It's just the look on his face. <laughs> President Herbert Dwayne Alizondo Mountain Dew Herbert Camacho. So you're smart, huh? I thought your head would be bigger. <laughs> oh, shoot. I will say, though, with this movie, the first half is way better than the second half. Um, I think the setup is just funnier, but... But yeah, like Dax Shepard, like he's he's almost a little too good at his role, and um, but no, like uh, Luke Wilson is very relatable as like the confused everyman. Mm-hmm. Um, but I mean, like yeah, no, in, in a way, some parts of this movie turned out to be a little prophetic. Um, but yeah, I, I agree with what you're saying. How it almost became like too easy of a joke, too cliche, the hack joke almost, mm-hmm. where it's just like. Oh man, this is just like idiocracy. It's like, oh wow, bro, you should do stand up. Yeah. <laughs> but no. 
I also love how Idiocracy, you know, because this is this was directed by Mike Judge. I love how it's like on the like it's like a, so much of a it's so different. It's like a polar opposite from his last movie, Office Space. Yeah, which is another movie that I love. Like, I love Office Space. Yeah, Office Space, very low key, very dry, very uh, very I guess slow. Whereas Idiocracy just. It's not very raunchy, but it's it's kind of raunchy, and it's just <laughs> it, it's 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 closer to Beavis and Butthead. <laughs> I love I love Justin Long's role in it, where he's like the doctor that diagnoses him. Yeah, and he's just like so basically, and pardon me, everyone, I'm just quoting the movie. Like basically, your shit's all retarded. <laughs> but then he's like he. I don't know why this always tickled me, but when he he notices he doesn't have a tattoo, he goes. Why come no tattoo? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's just it's just a movie that tickles the shit out of you. Yeah. Um, what about you, Mike? Um, the actually, it's like I've never seen this movie. Really? No. Oh, I don't. Honestly, I don't. I haven't even seen parts of this movie. I don't even know what the plot is of this movie. This oh, movie, yeah. this movie, like, completely missed my radar. Oh wow. I remember hearing the title and like knowing it's like a Luke Wilson movie, but yeah, no. I mean, I and I I love Office Space, but no, like I, I I don't even know the plot. Like you would have to tell me. <laughs> Honestly, like just watch it. Like maybe yeah. just go in as fresh. I mean, I know we just quoted a lot of good jokes from it, but um, try to go in fresh. But see if it's streaming on anything you have, and no, check it out because I I would definitely love to hear the reaction of someone that went in like. You know, not knowing the story from start to finish. Yeah, <laughs> but it's well, I, and I really like. I actually really like Luke Wilson better than Owen Wilson. Yeah, and I always I always loved Luke Wilson in old school as the lead, the Godfather. <laughs> yeah, the Godfather. Yeah, but um, and the funny thing is, it's like I can't. What what what's the name of the actor who's the lead in Office Space? Um, Ron something. Ron, he's he's the father of the family in The Conjuring. Um, yeah. Ron Livingston. Living, yeah. And this thing, he always kind of reminded me of Luke Wilson a little bit. Yeah, they were like the the relatable everyman. Yeah. So yeah, no, I'll, I'll have to watch it too. Yeah. Welcome to yeah. Costco. I love you. <laughs> um. In Office Space, Ron Livingston was basically the blueprint to Jason Bateman. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Which Jason Bateman? Well, no. Was this a Mike Judge movie? Extract. Yes. Yeah. So there we go. Never saw it though. <laughs> it's okay. Yeah. It's got a funny cam. It's got a funny cameo by Gene Simmons. <laughs> you know it's weird. You know it's a weird piece of trivia about Mike Judge. Well, not really trivia, but like I, I don't know if you guys know. He was. Do, do you remember? You guys have seen the Spy movies, right? Uh, yeah, in the first one. When I know I saw all three of them, the first three, whatever. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you remember on the second one, like there was like the, the two kids that like were kind of the bad spy kids, but they end up being just good anyways in the later in the third movie. Mm-hmm. I totally forget that, but go ahead. Oh uh, well, like. Mike Judge plays their dad. Like, he's... Hmm. And, like, he's in the third movie, like, him and, like, and Selma Hayek plays his wife. Like, they're they're the ones that make, like, the 
the technology to put Junie into like the game or whatever. You know what I mean? All right, that's that, that's bullshit right there because there's no way Selma Hayek would marry someone like Mike fucking Judge. for the longest time i thought uncle rico in napoleon dynamite was mike judge (laughs) because 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 i don't know when you see the actor who plays uncle rico he looks like he could be mike judge's long lost brother yeah i guess because they're both bald yeah, it's it's basically how people are like, oh, well, <laughs> the guy from Breaking Bad should be Lex Luthor. Because <laughs> he's bald. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, Amy Adams should be Beverly in It, too. Because <laughs> she's oh, bald. Oh, yeah, cut me a slice. <laughs> oh, oh, next movie, Borat. Oh, fuck. This started... The trend of Sasha Baron Cohen making a movie where he literally just spends two hours going, "Hey, I'm foreign and kind of homoerotic. Let's make people uncomfortable." Very <laughs> nice. Like you know what? It was funny when you did it in Borat, it, and Bruno had some interesting parts. But by the time you got to the dictator, it got really old. <laughs> yeah, but I um, mean, I, I can appreciate. Borat, just you know, the whole premise of you know, let's let's just go around with a camera and act like this is like a legitimate documentary and just fuck with people. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, that being said, though, nothing. It's been so long since I've seen this movie. No, no, like specific moments really jump out to me beyond like the general premise of the movie. So, um, so I'm gonna bounce it to you guys. I. I just saw this movie for the first time like four or five years ago. I did not see it for like the first, you know, like eight, nine years, you know, after it came out. Mm-hmm. Um, but I mean, it's funny. Um, obviously, I didn't see it. Once again, I didn't see it when it came out. I was a little too young for it, maybe. I don't know. Like, it's, I remember hearing like stories of like classmates where like their family went to see it together on Thanksgiving. And it's just like, uh, uh, of, of all movies you could have picked, but all right. Um, yeah. It's, and I know this isn't the movie's fault, I guess, but like, it became annoyingly impossible to escape hearing this movie quoted um, everywhere you went. Like, it was, there was two of them. It was that puppet guy with the, you know, um, Middle Eastern puppet that was a skeleton. I I, I forget Jeff the name Dunham. of anything. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, like if I had to hear "Silence, I Kill You" or "Very Nice" in the hallway one more day, like I was gonna hit my head off the locker. <laughs> um, but in a way, though, like I have to give it respect because <sighs> when was the last time there was a single comedy that came out in theaters? And literally everyone had to quote it all the time. Like, I guess it was Step Brothers, but yeah. like, there wasn't many of those comedies throughout the 2010s, really. Mm-hmm. I feel like, um, but yeah, like there was there was Borat, there was Mean Girls, there was um, Super Bad. But then, like once again, like as soon as like the decade began of the 2010s, it's almost like that comedy went away. Like everyone tried to make that next thing. And it would be it would be relevant for a little bit, like Twenty One Jump Street or This Is the End, but it was hard to capture that because, like, once again, like the Borat references were everywhere. It was it was amazing. Yeah. Um, well, did you see that no. they they like randomly announced the sequel like the other day? 
Yeah, it's gonna come out. It's gonna come out on Amazon Prime like next month. Yeah, apparently the whole thing had been like filmed in secret. Yeah, um, which I guess that's an accomplishment in a way. But right. I, I'll I'll be curious to see how he pulled it off because if he made it any time within the last ten years, like it's like, dude, everyone's gonna know who you are, right? Because <laughs> um, it, ba- at that point, it's basically the equivalent of him walking around with the Groucho Marx glasses. <laughs> Exactly. Like he was able to get away with it with the first Borat, obviously, mm-hmm. but and then even with Bruno, like Bruno, he was able to because he didn't have he changed his look for it or whatever. Mm-hmm. But like and that, I feel like that was why the dictator wasn't like in the format of a of a documentary. Like it was like in the format of like a regular narrative, mm-hmm. like story movie. Because um, like after a while, it's like Josh Baron Cohen, you're not going to be able to get away with this for too much longer. Yeah. But then he did it again with that one Showtime show, um, Who is America? And I don't know if either of you saw any of that, but that was actually really good. Um, he does like he does like an Israeli like um, secret ops pro-gun guy um, that's really good. And he actually he was responsible for a Republican lawmaker. I don't know if he was a state senator or a congressman. He had to stepped down from his job because like he got him he tricked him into like screaming the n-word during a skit (laughs) holy shit and and and, um and and it's like you could say like oh he tricked me that's not fair but it's like dude like you you did it yeah like that's you went on and and that's a word you just know not to use oh yeah like anyone could have been like um no i'm not doing that but and he like he lightly coaxed him. He's like, okay, so let's say you're doing, basically to paraphrase this kid, he's like, so let's say you're screaming the N-word. And immediately the guy just starts screaming it. Like, he's all in. Like, he puts his chips down on the table, and he's, like, <laughs> screaming. He's going to town. Jesus Christ. And, and it's like, okay, well, thank you, Sasha Baron Cohen. You you, you, may, you allowed us to rid ourselves of one more shitty lawmaker. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, so. Now, Borat, like, it's... Respect to it for being a comedy that was just so loud in the mainstream. Mike? Um, I honestly don't have a lot to say about Borat. I've only, I feel like I've never watched it all the way through. And it's just... I feel like my knowledge, most of my knowledge of Borat is from people quoting it. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah. saying, Betty Nye. <laughs> but um, I will, I will just throw out... My favorite Sasha Baron Cohen movie is a movie that's super, super underrated. Like when it came out, everybody just trashed on it. it was uh, the Brothers Grimm? Oh God, <laughs> that was great. The movie is amazing. The jokes, like they, the jokes, like have no limits. Like they, when you think they're not going to go there, they go there. <laughs> it's, yeah. it's so funny. But yeah, no, that's I don't know, but like, but I, I, I mean, I gotta give credit where credits due. You know, Borat kind of made Sasha Baron Cohen like a superstar overnight. So you know, you know, good for him. You know, and he's married to Isla Fisher. Yeah, which makes no fucking sense, but. Uh, <laughs> it's, hey, it's just like what Jessica Rabbit said. Like he makes me laugh. Apparently. All right, next movie. Let's go to prison. <laughs> this is like the most Comedy Central-esque movie ever. Like this movie was on Comedy Central all the fucking time. 
I remember like seeing this movie so many fucking weekends on Comedy Central. And it's there's <laughs> just a lot of like goofy little jokes in this movie, a lot of quotable jokes in this movie. Um <laughs> now come on, Pisces, don't make me get it. The shoebox. Fucking <laughs> <laughs> If you lie, don't now don't go lie on the berry because if you do, I'm gonna remove your genitals and put them in a shoebox. Now, would you like some sangria? I made it in the toilet. <laughs> now, Blake, I know you haven't seen this movie, right? I, I, yes, I have only seen Comedy Central commercials being like tonight at nine o'clock, and they do the Merlot yeah. uh, joke. So, yeah, other than that, I have no knowledge of this movie whatsoever. It's. It's a funny movie. I fucking love um what the fuck is his name? Um Michael Shannon in this movie. He, yeah, you told me he's in it apparently. Yeah, and there's a scene where he's like going up to Will Arnett cuz apparently they have, like Will Arnett does something that causes Michael Shannon to have a beef with him and Michael Shannon's just like he goes up to him he's like, "You know, it takes a lot of balls for you to come up to me cuz like Will Arnett goes up to him tries to like talk to a man the man and like smooth everything out and he's like you know, it took a lot of balls for you to come up here and talk to me like this. You remind me of my father. Oh, was he a nice man? I killed him. <laughs> with, with kindness? With a hammer. <laughs> uh, it's There's just a lot of little jokes in this movie that are great. Um, Mike, have you seen this movie? I haven't, actually. It's crazy. No, Because I, 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 I don't think it's streaming on anything. Yeah, I I had to and then like there's another like movie with Dax Shepard like I've never seen. I was like, no, it's not ringing any bells for me. Oh, Dax Shepard's in it. Yeah, he's he's Ooh. like, I guess he's the lead actor along with Will Arnett. Okay, okay, yeah. See, there you go. I didn't even know who the main who the main like protagonist was in it. Um, so he like, follows ba- the two of them equally, or yeah, like basically here's the premise. Uh, Dax Shepard plays a dude who's been like in and out of prison since he was like a teenager. Just mm-hmm. a general kind of fuck up person. Yeah. So eventually he gets out, like the movie starts, he gets out of prison again. And he's like an adult now. And the, he he kept getting sent back to prison by the same judge who like the first time he got busted for like petty theft or whatever when, they, when he was a teenager. This judge was like, you're a stain on society and you need to like an example needs to be made out of you. And like the judge is like overly harsh on him. Which is kind of like what kickstarted his, you know, his his path in life. Yeah. So he gets out of prison. He's an adult now, and he's like, "I'm gonna get revenge on this judge who's like basically fucked up my entire life." Judge has a heart attack and dies. So he's like, "Well, shit. What do I do now?" He sees that the judge has a son who's played by Will Arnett and is a complete spoiled trust fund baby asshole. So he's like, "I'm gonna get revenge on the son," and basically just like sets the son up and frames him makes it look like he like performed an armed robbery in a grocery store and gets the son sent to prison and then he's like you know what i got him sent to prison but that's just not good enough so he purposely gets himself sent to the same prison so he can fuck with them inside of prison as well (laughs) (laughs) that's like that's that's like like, worse than all the memes to own the libs yeah that's like that's like hot rod logic where like his stepfather is dying and he needs to get him a new heart so he can just kick his ass. Yeah. Well it's <laughs> it's so great how he words it too. He's sitting at home after like Will Arnett gets arrested and gets sentenced to prison or whatever. He's sitting at home, he's like all depressed. He's like, Man, it feels like it's prom night and everybody's fucking my date but me. 
It's happened to somebody. <laughs> yeah, I, I suggest you guys find this movie if you can and watch it. It's a funny movie. Double feature, idiocracy, and let's go to prison. Yeah. Let's move on to our next movie then, The Pursuit of Happiness. I th- I feel like this was like the first movie where Will Smith started being like seen as an actor who can do stuff other than comedies. Yeah. Yeah, like very, very, like this was like his first like really big serious dramatic role. Um, mm-hmm. Just overall a decent solid movie. I mean that scene in the beginning when he and his son are like sleeping in the in that bathroom and like somebody's trying to like open the door and shit. That's that's still a scene that'll make your your uh, hair stand up. It, it only becomes it only becomes more sad as you get older and like you you just become aware of like the consequences of life and like what you know what's at stake you know day to day. And especially um, when you realize that it's it's based on a true story. Yeah. Um, yeah. F- for me, like the big moment was like at the end when he's actually hired Mm -hmm. and you know, he says, I would like for you to work here. Would you like to work here? And, and he just breaks down because he's so relieved that he finally made it. And it's, it's just a really sad scene, honestly. Like he's he's so happy that he was finally hired that he just starts crying. Yeah. Um, it, it definitely hits you. Um, and yeah. Yeah, we'll, we'll, yeah, that was the movie where it was like, oh, yeah, Will Smith would, would actually very much like to be uh, <laughs> awarded an Oscar. Good yeah. for him. It's like, on the positive side, this movie was the movie that showed us that Will Smith has more range than what we thought. On the po- on the downside, this is the first time Will Smith started shoving his son down our throats. <laughs> his son was really good in this, though. Well, that's because he was six. He didn't have a whole lot that he needed to do. <laughs> Just, yeah, just be a kid. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but I his his son's definitely an interesting guy. I'll give him that. Yeah. Um it's just Yeah, I mean, just imagine that though. Like you grow up and Will Smith is your dad. <laughs> like Oh man. There's a there's a key and peel skit about that. Oh yeah, I've seen that. <laughs> dad bless you. So they live in an apartment. What's an apartment? It's like a very tiny mansion. <laughs> Mike, do you have anything um, to say about the pursuit of happiness? Um, that's. I feel I feel terrible. It's what it, I've seen parts of it, but I've never watched it all the way through. What I did saw, I really liked. Um, yeah, it, it, it's weird to think that you know, Will Smith's never won an Oscar. I feel like. I feel like he's one of those guys. Like he needs to get one eventually. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, this started the career of his son for better or worse. Um, but I mean, yeah, it's like it's it's kind of funny. It's like this is his best performance, but he's six years old. You know. Yeah. Yeah. Um, no, it's just like you know, it being based on a true story. Like it's just it's crazy the things people go through. You know, mm-hmm. like, people don't realize how much people struggle. Right. Yeah. Well then, next movie, The Departed. Um, I've only seen this movie once, and it, and it was with you guys. You guys showed it to me. And I remember liking it, but I don't really remember much beyond that of this movie. So I'm just going to go ahead and bounce it to you guys. Um, 
Michael, you go ahead. I've been I've been going first a lot tonight. Okay. Um, so I feel like um, I don't know about what the other guys, but me, I feel like when this movie was coming out, like me and Blake were like so pumped for this movie, mm-hmm. and I was really pissed I didn't get to see it in theaters. But it was one of those things. that's like I was 15, you know, I wasn't old enough to see an R-rated movie, so I, I didn't see it until it like came out mm-hmm. on like DVD. But um, I just I don't know. It's just it's an amazing movie. It it won Best Picture. It's I feel like it's one of the last movies to actually deserve Best Picture. Mm-hmm. Um, it's it's arguably Scorsese's best movie. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, it's crazy to think that like it's a remake. It's a remake of a Japanese movie called Internal Affairs. And the funny thing is, Internal Affairs actually has two sequels, which we always kept thinking. I remember me and Blake talking in school, like, oh, are they going to make like a sequel and stuff like that? Yeah. But um, it's like now, it's like now there's no point, really. No. But um, no, it's just, and I feel like this was like, this was like the big heavy hitters, like, especially because like people always joked like how Leonardo DiCaprio and like Matt Damon in the 90s were really similar. Mm-hmm. I was like, well, this was like the first movie they're in together, and it was kind of like the face-off. Like Leonardo DiCaprio is the undercover cop that's, you know, pretending to be a mobster, and then you have Matt Damon, who's the cop, who's the mole for the mob, who was basically yeah. raised, raised by the mob, and and of course, like you have the great Jack Nicholson as the leader of the mob, Francis. <laughs> yeah, and he's just. He's just amazing in this movie. He's just so like sinister, but like so charming, and it's just it, it has an amazing cast. You got you got Mark Wahlberg and Martin Sheen, Ray um, Winstone, Ray Winstone, Alec Baldwin, um, yeah. uh, oh, what's her name? Uh, this was like the first thing I ever saw her, and it was Vera Farmiga. Yeah, Vera Farmiga. Yeah, from The Conjuring. From The Conjuring, yeah. I feel like this is the first thing I ever saw her in. Yeah. Um, even Anthony Anderson's in this movie. Yeah. And he's really brilliant. One of the first times I saw James Badgedale. Yeah, James Badgedale, yeah. Yeah, it just it has a it has an amazing cast and the story's great, the soundtrack's really good. I feel like I mean I think Scorsese always has like good soundtracks in his movie, but I feel like this is like one of the first ones like I actually like noticed and listened to. Yeah. Um. Yeah, it's just it's just an all around amazing movie. Like it deserved every award and accommodation it got. Um, it's and it's just a great crime movie. It's a great modern crime movie. Mm-hmm. I think it's funny though. Like it's set in Boston, and like I feel like the only person they were missing was like Ben Affleck. Yeah, and then yeah, and then the other person I feel like who could have been in the movie too was like. Uh, Brad Pitt produced this movie, but he's not in it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But no, it's just—it's an amazing movie. It's—it's it's one of my favorites. It's just, yeah, it's—it's it's just an amazing movie. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's probably my personal favorite Martin Scorsese movie. Um, it's—it's—it's—it's it's, it's, it's probably a modern masterpiece in the crime genre. Um, and it came out at a time when I was like really into that genre. Actually, um, yeah. ironically, I had still not seen 
I would not have seen The Godfather finally for like several years. <laughs> but um, you know, I saw like The Untouchables on AMC, and I loved Heat with Robert De Niro and Michael Mann. Um, and then I started playing like the Grand Theft Auto games. Um, but yeah, it's just I don't even I forget. I think this year, like Leonardo DiCaprio was nominated for Blood Diamond instead of this movie. Um, but yeah, and his, his performance is better in this than Blood Diamond. Oh really? Yeah, I mean I didn't see all Blood Diamond, but like I think he was better in The Departed. Yeah. And I think Jack Nicholson won Best Supporting Actor for this movie. I think he did win. I think he um, did, yeah. And then he, he would, like, at, like, the MTV Movie Awards and other stuff, he won Best Villain. Like, and he then, was... And Mark Wahlberg was nominated for Supporting Actor, too. That's true, too. Um, and, yeah, it's just... It's a great movie. And it's... And, and the, for the longest time, they had, like, the writer had planned to make, like, The Departed Part 2, um, but they just never got around to it. But, yeah, at this point, it's just like... I, th I think they had floated the idea of making a prequel, because obviously who would be able to come back? Um. <laughs> and and that's, that's what the, the Japanese movie Internal Affairs did. Like, the second movie was a prequel, and then the third movie was a sequel. Yeah, so yeah. that'd be interesting. Um, but, yeah, it's just... It's interesting, and it's like I've I've gone back and forth on the ending, because um, especially like with my with my brother-in-law, he made the point. It's like you know you got all those actors, legendary actors, and it's just like the best ending you could. And he wasn't aware that it was a remake, but he's like the best ending you could have come up with is spoiler, they all die. Yeah, <laughs> just, yeah. But, for Marvel. But, yeah, I remember yeah. I remember having the same reaction to that ending that Blake had to the ending to the Godfather Part Three. Just. Uh, oh, that's it? It's over? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. um, but no, it's just... Yeah, the, the Departed is... It's, but no, it's like, funny, too. Like People forget how funny it is. It is It is funny. And no, like, but the, that scene like with Leonardo DiCaprio and like the climax, like my jaw dropped. Yeah. For the first time. I was like, oh, what? Uh, what? <laughs> this, yeah. You can't yeah. do that. Yeah, it's like that movie. Like it, it, it didn't care what you expected or what you thought. Like it was, it was very. I thought it was good at subversion in that respect. Um, yeah, it felt very real. Yeah, no, it was, it was very consequential. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I don't want to talk myself in circles here, and you know, a lot of the compliments are to say about it have already been said. But if you haven't seen it, it's, it's definitely worth it. It's, it's interesting to note, like. Like, I, after Martin Scorsese um, said those comments about Marvel movies last year, um, there, they would, there would pop up all these Facebook shitposting groups dedicated to him. And, and a lot of people actually resent The Departed because they don't think it's his best movie. They think, like, it was basically like a, um, not a mulligan, but a, like an IOU, they felt that him winning for The Departed was the Academy Awards being like IOU, and um, how you know he had deserved it before up to that point. And um, but like, yeah, kind it's, of like Al Pacino winning for Scent of a Woman instead of The Godfather. Exactly. Like yeah. they thought it was that. Which well, I, or Leo, I Leo winning for The Revenant. Yeah. 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 Because like yeah. 
I mean, honestly, like probably my personal favorite Leonardo DiCaprio performance is Shutter Island, but I feel like he, everyone thinks he is great in Shutter Island, but then people are like, the rest of the movie is whatever. And, but yeah, I think that movie's very underrated. Um, but no, it's, it's interesting, but I personally think The Departed is just probably Martin Scorsese's best movie, like all around in general, so. All right, let's move on to our last movie for the evening, Employee of the Month. <laughs> this was another uh, Comedy Central staple. It was constantly rotated. I mean, you got Dane Cook right like when his career really started to take off. You got Dax Shepard again. <laughs> you got the guy who played Pedro in Napoleon Dynamite. You got Jessica Simpson back when people actually cared about her. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, I I saw this movie so many times, and I mean, like, it's an okay movie. Like, if you have nothing to do and you just need to kill, like, an hour and a half, two hours. But, I mean, beyond that, like, there's not really much to say about this movie. Um, I can appreciate the plot of, you know, a, a slacker who just does the bare minimum at work, finally getting his shit together and, like, just doing a good, a hard day's work just for the sake of doing it. Mm-hmm. But beyond that, I just don't really have much to say about this movie. It it is what it is. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's it, it's called Employee of the Month, but in many of the ways, it's basically Flavor of the Month. Like, yeah. it's just it was like, oh, who's the big comedian right now? Right. Uh, Dane Cook. Uh, it's like, oh, who's like the one of the musicians that you know teenage boys thinks is really hot, uh, you know, and they couldn't get Jessica Alba. It's like, okay, Jessica Simpson. And then like, oh man, um, how about that Napoleon Dynamite movie? Let's get that Hispanic kid in here. Yeah, exactly. Like a lot of. A lot it's funny Dan Cook did a movie with Jessica Alba later on. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, and um, and yeah. So a lot of the choices in this movie just felt very flavor of the month. But yeah. it's one of those where it's like at the time, you know, seeing it as like a, a sophomore in high school, I thought it was enjoyable. Like you know, turn your brain off. It's like it's not boring. It's it's yeah. I can. I, I was able to sit down and watch it for the first time and be very content. Um, and then it's funny because last year I rewatched it. It was on Netflix, I think, and it was on one of the streaming services. And it was last year, and I think this was before my daughter was born. Yeah, it was before then. And I was, you know, my wife was at work, and I had nothing else to do, and I was like, oh, whatever. I just, I just need a simple like mindless comedy to turn on and you know and I'll watch something that I've seen before so I don't get caught up in paying attention to it I just needed to have something on in the background and and I watched it again and I'm listening to a lot of the dialogue and I'm like oh my god this was stuff that was like written down and like said out loud Mm -hmm. and I'm not being like the the, you know it's uh, a lot of the dialogue is very cringy and Mm -hmm. very like very um God, I'm 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 at a loss of words here, but like, it's almost like the, the screenwriters didn't understand what real how real people communicate in real life. Yeah. Um, just overly scripted, and yeah, it, it was kind of weird. It was kind of weird. Like it, it it has aged in a very, very strange way. Um, yeah, crazy like way liter- literally nobody. I, I guess Dax Shepard still kind of popular but like yeah literally nobody who starred in this movie is like a thing anymore um Dak Shepard well Dak Shepard's married to Kristen Bell so he's right. a big win there um and then he actually has he has a very popular podcast um and then it's like when was has, the last time anybody heard anything from Dane Cook 
it's funny because yeah. they you know how they were doing like those zoom calls where it's like with celebrities like they were doing like table reads of stuff mm-hmm. fast times the Ridgemont high thing yeah they did like fast times that was Ridgemont. So weird and and they did fast times at Ridgemont high. I agree and and Bradley uh, uh, Brad Pitt was in it um Jennifer Aniston was in it um Sean Penn was there obviously Shia LaBeouf was there, and he's getting like high the whole time. Um, yeah, like he he was like reading for Spicoli, and they're all like fucking cracking up laughing. And and Dane Cook was there. And yeah, I was Dane like, was there. I was like, I was like, what, like have... Julia Roberts was there. Yeah, they said <laughs> Dane, so fucking random. Dane Cook was so out of place because everyone else made sense. Like Shia LaBeouf, he's trying to be like the indie dude, like an auteur almost. You know, he's like experimental artistic or whatever and then Brad Brad Pitt has has always been relevant you know and that's one thing I got to give him yeah and then J- Julia Roberts is you know is well she kind of did kind of fizzle out a little bit but still like you, yeah. you had all these all these other actors who had been a list at one point or another and then to, to Jennifer Aniston's credit and defense she only became more and more respected mm-hmm. um but then like Dane Cook's randomly there and I'm like what <laughs> Um, but, but yeah, so, and I, I feel like Dane Cook, it was, what happened to him was kind of like what happened with Twilight, where it's like, he became so popular, and then it became popular to hate on him, and then personally, I, I kind of felt more annoyed by the haters, more so than the lovers. Um, Now, granted, I, I was annoyed by, like, the constant quoting of him in the hallways, like Jeff Dunham. But once again, I, I thought Dane Cook had some legitimately funny, like setups and, yeah. and and stories than Jeff Dunham did, and um. But once again, like people just hated on him just because he was popular, and it's like okay, like, and that was one of my first experiences with like people hating on something just to hate on it, um, but yeah. But ultimately, employee of the month is the poor man's clerks. <laughs> yeah. Um. So. It's even got Andy Dick in it. Oh God! Yeah, <laughs> Andy Dick. <laughs> Woof. Probably the best Andy Dick-related joke ever was when they were doing the MTV Movie Awards for 2006, and and like Andy Andy Dick was like the albino from the Da Vinci Code, <laughs> and and they stab him, and they're like, and they're talking to Gary Cole, um, and they're like, oh. It looks like, you know, tonight's show went off without a hitch. And they're like, what about him? And you see uh, Andy Dick lying in the corner. And (laughs) Gary Cole just goes, oh, Andy Dick. Uh, He gets stabbed every year. (laughs) 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 Oh, God. Well, what do you remember about Employee of the Month, Michael? Um, (laughs) See, I remember watching it on Comedy Central and watching it all the way through. But I, I just, I don't remember too much. I remember like I liked it. I remember it was just like an enjoyable kind of feel-good comedy. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel like yeah, that was the time you know where they were like Jessica Simpson was in the Dukes of Hazard and like people were all about like how people, everybody thought how hot she was. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, Dane Cook was really big, and I was one of those people. I loved Dane Cook. Yeah, he was a bit overrated, but I always really liked his jokes. I was sad to see that like. He um, kind of lost like his luster and isn't really big anymore. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, but yeah, and 
that's the thing. I really like Dax Shepard, but it's like I feel like I haven't seen half of his movies. <laughs> it's yeah, and this kind of does like this in Idiocracy does complete the double feature of Dax Shepard being a dickhead. Um, <laughs> yeah, pretty much. I think what also helped Barry Dane Cook a little bit was like he. I don't know if he still is, but like he was dating a girl literally twenty-seven years younger than him. Jesus Christ. And, and, and I'm sorry. Yeah, and, and people are like, oh, when, when you're, you know, 57, they'll, you know, they're 30. But it's like, no, that's not cool. Like, yeah. I don't, I don't care. Like, yeah. imagine, imagine being 27 years old and thinking to yourself, huh, my future girlfriend is being born today. Like, that is fucking disgusting. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, I'm sorry. I don't, I don't mean to get a little preachy there, but, but no, like. It's that's not cool. <laughs> so. I think also what killed Dane Cook was like, I thought he was funny at first when he first started taking off, but then like, I feel like he was like a comedian that we all just outgrew. Like I just remember getting like like a, l- a little bit older and going back and watching some of this stuff and just being like, this isn't funny anymore. Like, yeah, yeah. He no. he he very much was like the high schoolers comedian. Yeah. I mean, once again, to his credit, he was the man for the moment. He got his timing correct. Yeah. But his time could only last so long. Right. But, I mean, but... But let's move on. Oh, go ahead. I was going to say, let's move on to TV. Um, For 2006, you know, I looked at TV that started and ended in 2006. And, I mean, this was around the time when I just really started caring less and less and less about TV. Um, so I really only got one show that I, I watched that came out in 2006, and that was 30 Rock. Um, and even then, I didn't watch 30 Rock until like a few years later. Um, but, I mean, I always thought it was funny. Tina Fey is always hilarious. Tracy Morgan was a fucking riot in that show. Um, yeah. Fucking Do- <laughs> Dr. Spaceman. And his, <laughs> his name's pronounced Spachemin. Um <laughs> I'm making a porn video game. It's impossible. The the valley of uh, I forget what the fuck it's called. Um, you know, if you make a CGI character too real, it makes people uncomfortable. Like, look over here, we got you know C three PO and R two D two. Okay, cool. Everybody loves them. Yeah, they're great. And then over here we got you know like a cartoon character. All right. And then if you go over here, we got Tom Hanks and the Polar Express. Ah, oh, get me off! I want to go. <laughs> It's it's all coming alive like toys when you leave your room. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but uh, what do you guys got to say about Thirty Rock, or any other TV that you might have watched in the year two thousand six? Um, well, for Thirty Rock, my sister was a big fan. She's a big fan of Tina Fey, mm. and and no, Thirty Rock, Thirty Rock was a very well done show. Like it was funny. Um, and uh, yeah, I, I think it. I think it has become underrated because, like, once it ended, it just kind of went away. Like, yeah. like, like people still watch The Office, you know? Like, The Office, I don't know if it came back or it never really went away, but, like, The Office is still just as much love, like, as it was right now mm-hmm. when it was first airing. Um, I kind of wish that would happen with 30 Rock because 30 Rock was a little more clever and witty. Like, The Office is funny, don't get me wrong, but 30 Rock... It was really good with like jokes that would come full circle. Um, well, I also I remember when they announced that 
you know, it was getting canceled, Alec Baldwin's trip was like, I will take a pay cut if you guys will use that money to make more episodes. Yeah, and I think that lasted him a little bit longer. Um, well, it was also, it was the comeback of Alec Baldwin. Like, he'd kind of went away for a little while, and he was only like, he would be like the, he would be like random obscure supporting roles or antagonists in other movies. Mm-hmm. Like, like Alec Baldwin is the villain in the Cat in the Hat movie. Yeah. Like, that's, <laughs> that's kind of weird. Talk about losing a bet. And then, yeah. yeah. So... But um, but no, this was this was his uh his comeback, um, but yeah, no. Did you ever watch any of Thirty Rock, Mike? No, I I actually haven't. I I haven't even seen one episode. Mm. I think good. it's still on. I think it's still on Hulu. Um, or maybe they've moved it to that Peacock. Um. Oh okay. No. Just yeah, I know. That... I know people were freaking out that The Office was going to eventually leave Netflix. Yeah. Yeah, which there's too many streaming services. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, that bubble will burst soon enough, trust me. I guess. Um, I mean, what it, others? It, it will. I mean, there's every network thinks they can carry their own streaming service, and it's like, you, you, you can't. Like, you can't. Yeah. 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 No. It's like, just... Disney can get away with it because it's fucking Disney and they own so many different things. But, like. And even... But like you know, and Comedy Central, if, Comedy Central mm-hmm. trying to have its own streaming service. <laughs> Good luck, guys. No fucking AMC. Yeah, like, there's there's an AMC Plus. Like what? Good luck. And it's just like I understand people like Mad Men and people like Breaking Bad, but they're not gonna pay ten bucks a month to watch two different shows. Like, yeah. oh god, I'm getting off topic here. What other what other shows do you have on the list for 2006? Nothing. That's it. <laughs> Oh wow! Like I said, um, that is literally like out of all the shows that started and ended in 2006, that is the only one I watched. Yeah, I think, and I think I can also like include Michael in on this. And I, I keep bringing up Andrew, but like I was, we were really hanging out with Andrew all the time this year. Um, for me, in 2006, like I was just kind of over TV, and for Same. the most part, and and I just, I either I was watching a movie or I was watching something on YouTube. Same. So there are there there's two shows I just looked it up that like stick out to me. I didn't watch them originally when they aired. I remember watching them on like streaming services later on. Mm-hmm. But um one of them was Dexter. Oh yeah. shoot. Damn. And I, I didn't I didn't watch that initially when it came out cuz I didn't have the higher channels then. Mm-hmm. But um I watched I've watched up to like the third season of Dexter, and what I saw is it's a really good show. Um, mm-hmm. I can't think of his name. What's the name of the guy that plays Dexter? It's like Matt something. No, it's um. Or no, it's uh. It's uh. I can't shoot. think of it. Shoot, man. It's uh. We'll go ahead. I'll look it up if you yeah, just go and ahead. And... I was like, he was an amazing actor. Like he really like sells the show. I. I'm really surprised, like, he hasn't really done anything since then. Um, Michael C. Hall. Michael C. Hall, that's what it was, yeah. I don't know how I was mad, but... I remember I would see him all the time in, like, fan castings for, like, superhero movies. And then he was never cast in anything. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and this thing, he was an amazing actor. He was so good in that show. Um, 
And um, yeah, and like the the sister, I can't remember her name. She was like in the Exorcism of Emily Rose, and she was really good. Um, it started like a whole like meme, like the whole surprise motherfucker. Yeah, like that was always great. But um, it just it it had a really interesting story. It was really cool to watch, like for any fans of like true crime or horror. And it, it had like it had a lot of dark humor in it. Yeah. But yeah, no, it was it was a great show. I I, I want to finish it. I heard like as it went on, it got worse and worse. And like I, I always heard people hated the finale. I hear it, and I hear it peaks, or or at least like the last good season is the one with um the fourth one with um Jonathan Lithgow. Um, yeah, and I like I just missed that. Like I didn't get to that, and I heard he's like really good as like the season villain. Um. And then um, one of the seasons, uh, Jimmy Smits is a villain in it, and he's really good. I think I just think Jimmy Smits is great all around. I think he's very underused and underrated. Um, yeah, but especially in Star Wars. <laughs> yeah, Dude, that was actually one of my favorite things about Rogue One was seeing Jimmy Smits there because he had only been in the prequels, and I was like. I'm really happy for Jimmy Smith that he finally got to act on a Star Wars set that was an actual set and not a green screen. Like Jimmy yeah. Smith must have been very relieved when he went on set. He's like, "Oh wow, people actually built this." Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I know. What a concept. Um, um, but no, I, I, I probably would have seemed like the last person in the world that would have liked Dexter. Um, but no, that's that is a masterful show. Like yeah. that first. That first season, especially, like I thought, two was 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 decent, and so was three, but like that first season is perfect. Um, yeah, and and like the twist, and and um, I mean, you know, spoiler alert, but the the show's like fourteen years old now. Um, no, when he has to, when he has to kill his brother, and he just breaks down, and he just says, "I'm sorry, I just I can't take it anymore. I can't hear anymore." Um, that's like such a great scene. Um, but yeah, no, he's, he's great in that show. And yeah, no, it's, it's, of all people, it's like, it's probably, if you, if you know me in real life, it's like, you probably wouldn't have thought I would like that show a lot, but no, it was really good. It was really yeah. good. And, um, there's a, there's another show, um, but I only watched one season of it and it was another one I watched like retroactively was, um, uh, Heroes. Did you guys ever watch that? No. I... I tried to start, like, I think I watched the first episode, and I just didn't go back to it. I remember I was, I actually, I think I watched it in 2013. I had gotten mono, <laughs> and I was really, really sick. <laughs> and, um, yeah, no, it, was, it was awful. It was the, the worst I've ever felt in my life. For some reason, I thought you were mentioning, like, a streaming service. I'm like, I don't remember there being a streaming service called mono. <laughs> <laughs> But, uh, yeah, go ahead, Mike. I'm sorry. But no, like Heroes at the time was on Netflix, and I, I like I watched like the whole first season in probably like four days, and the first season is great. It's amazing. It's it's everything people talked it up to because I remember like when the show came out, like you saw it everywhere. Like it was kind of like Lost. Like it was like Heroes and Lost were everywhere. Like when mm -hmm. people talked about television. Mm -hmm. And I haven't watched any any of it since, but I always heard from people like after the first season, like the show went downhill, and then 
they tried to revive it a couple years ago and it just didn't work apparently. But no, like yeah. the first season is a really cool like like modern take on like superhero stuff and like that's where like Zachary Quinto got his start and like his character like um I think his name was Siler. Yeah, something Siler. like that. Something yeah, like that. him the main villain Siler, like he's such an interesting like villain, like superhero villain, especially like his like how gruesome like his abilities are, like how he became the way he was. Yeah, is great. As and I mean, do you guys know anything about like heroes? He not really no. He um Zachary Quinto's character, his superpowers that he could take other people's superpowers, but he was like really good at putting clocks together, and then like he basically cut open people's heads and examined how their brains work. Well, yeah, that's the thing. Like, they allude to, like, he didn't even have superpowers. Like, he he was, like, a clocks maker, and, like, he was just any, like, literally anything he took apart, he could, like, completely understand and put back together. Yeah. He could, like, dissect people's brains and literally, like, because they say, like, in that show, like, their powers are, like, rooted into their minds and... He, yeah. he meets a person that has, like, telekinesis, and he literally, like, kills this person dissects their brain and like teaches himself how to like instantly like do it. Yeah. And that's what he does. He'll like he'll like kill people off that have like superpowers and like dissect their brain and then he like has their power. Yeah. It's so weird and like gruesome. Like oh he literally like uses telekinesis to like cut your head open. Yeah. 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 But no, I would say the first season is definitely like give it a watch. But yeah, it's it's pretty cool. There's no there's no costumes or anything. It's more kind of like a realistic like drama. It's a character study, yeah. 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 But yeah, it was cool and they have like these cool like dystopian future scenes. Like it's it's pretty cool. All right. Well, then let's move on to music for 2006. Now, I'm going to go ahead and bounce this section to Blake because I mean, music is definitely my weakest spot in these episodes because during this time I just didn't really listen or care about mainstream music for the most part. So Blake, I'm going to let you, I'm going to give you the reins. Uh, yeah. So I was just doing some Google searches and, um, especially for albums, but, um, this was the year that the black parade by my chemical romance came out. Um, stadium Arcanium by the red hot chili peppers. Uh, Justin Timberlake really sexy back. <laughs> um, uh, Sam's Town by The Killers, um, and then the hit Rehab by Amy Winehouse came out. Uh, Snow Patrol chasing cars, and then the ones that you had originally listed, Donnie. I forgot to save those off the chat, but what did uh, you had? Um, what did you originally have? I had Sexy Back by Justin Timberlake. Uh, Smack That by Akon and Hips Don't Lie by Shakira. A really sexual year this year. Yeah. So, so yeah. Um, I I think obviously, like especially being in high school, for a lot of people, the big the big one was um was the Black Parade by My Chemical Romance. Like it was yeah. that was everywhere. Like the hoodies, the T-shirts, like the posters, the posters. Like it was the makeup. The makeup, yeah, like, and and it's funny because I um I uh I wasn't really into, and I've said this before in past episodes, I wasn't really into that genre before, 
um, at the time. And in hindsight, I really feel like I missed out. Um, and I kind of wish I had been into it when it was like in the moment um, and in the heat, you know, at the, at the, at the top of its height. Um, but no, it's, it's one day they're going to make like nostalgic movies and shows that take place in the mid two thousands, the same way they've been doing about the eighties and nineties. And they're going to have, you know, panic at the disco and my chemical romance and fall out boy on repeat throughout those soundtracks. Yeah. Um, and honestly, I personally can't wait for that. I think, well, I can, but I can't. Like, I think it'll be really bittersweet to witness, but then also it'd be like, oh man, this is retro already. Like, I feel so fucking old now. <laughs> yeah. But, but I mean, that's a feeling that everyone gets to eventually. Um, and then Stadium Arcadium, like, either you were bumping to Black Parade or you were bumping to Danny California, I feel like, that year. Um, yeah. So, but other than that, like, uh, what, what all do you have to say, Mike? Um, I mean, yeah, I'll say, like, Stadium Arcadium, yeah, that was the big, like, I feel like it was the big comeback for the Red Hot Chili Peppers. I feel like you still hear songs from that album on the radio to this day. Mm-hmm. Um... Uh, yeah, like, the Black Parade, like, the Black Parade was... I feel like a big deal. I feel like that's when like my chemical romance like went into like superstardom. Um, there's a lot of great songs on that album. Um, yeah, and then Justin Timberlake, you know, with "Sexy Back," like that. I feel like that kind of cemented him like being a solo artist. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, he kind of like shredded the whole instinct thing. But um, just a. Not really. I wouldn't really say it was like a worldwide thing, but an album that came out in 2006 that had a big influence on me. I didn't. I didn't really listen to it until maybe about two, three years later. But was um, it was big in the emo scene. Was because I was an emo kid. (laughs) (laughs) Was uh, dying is your latest fashion, which was the and uh, it was the first like official album for escape the fate mm-hmm. and everybody knows me like escape the fate was like that like slipknot were my two favorite bands in high school and escape the fate was a very much like post hardcore like emo band and uh, it was their last album with their original singer ronnie radke who eventually formed the band falling in reverse but no i just like i i was obsessed with this band like listen mm-hmm. to their songs every time um, I I remember watching with the guys like all the time like the music video for Situations because it, yeah it's just like a funny like music video of them being at like a school and like all the teachers are like half naked. <laughs> well, they, I remember like yeah, they like come you like, said, I'll go ahead. Well, yeah, like like you said, like a few years later, like I remember us like he, listening to that like in 2009, not 2006. So it was a little bit of a delayed reaction with our group. Yeah, and that was the thing too. Is like, like I said, how this was Ronnie Radke's last album. Like he had already left the band, and I was like getting into that band. I'm like, oh, he's not there anymore. I was like, that sucks, because like yeah. he, I feel like he's what made the band. And like, even though I d- I did like their stuff with their other singers later on, but like, no, I, I just it's to me like when I think of like high school and like 
the emo scene, like I, to me, I think of that album, like now they weren't like worldwide superstars, like in the emo scene, like like Fallout Boy or My Chemical Romance, but like this one, like as far as like screamo goes, like this is what I think of. Yeah. And um, yeah, just I love every song on that album. Um. Yeah, just yeah. It they almost kind of even though they were screamer too. I feel like they kind of harkened back to like the '80s rocker with like the big hair and like being all about talking all about like sex and like having like half naked women in the music videos. Like it felt very much like they were harkening back to the '80s. Yeah, I mean even their their drummer Robert Ortiz, like he literally looks just like Slash, like on purpose. He <laughs> yeah. like he is like tan skin. He has like long black like curly hair that goes down he wears aviators all the time like he purposefully like wants to look like slash but yeah no that's that's definitely like the album of the year for me didn't didn't one of them go to go to jail or something yeah ronnie rack did that's why he got kicked out of the band because he went to jail shit yeah but then when he got out he formed his own band it was called falling in reverse and he's still with flying in reverse they're still doing stuff Huh. Yeah. Nice. All right, then. Well, let's move on to the last topic for the evening, video games, 2006. So I'm just going to run through it all here quickly since it's a bit of a short list. Um, 2006, we had the launch of the PS3 and the Wii, and the 360 had launched the year before. I mean, I remember the 360 having a strong start when it first launched. And yeah. I mean, I've just never been an Xbox fan. It's just not my personal taste. The PS3 had a very rocky launch, but it eventually, like, slowly but surely, like, got its shit together, and it it ended up overpowering the the 360 in the end. Um, I mean, the PS3 was definitely, out of all three, the best system just based off the features it had. But goddamn, that fucking price tag that it had at the time. $600 Six hundred dollars in two thousand six, um, and then yeah, I, think that, I think that's the thing that really hurt it. Yeah, that's. I mean, it, it was completely. Um, and then the Wii, the Wii was okay, but like this was like the the Wii was the beginning of a rough time for Nintendo as a whole. Um, I remember the Wii came out, and for like a second, for for a minute, everybody was like, "Oh, this is like really different than what everybody else is doing. It's interesting. Let's take a look at it," and it's. It's most. It's very gimmicky. Um, yeah. Like people were interested in the Wii for like maybe a couple months, and then it just sort of like it very quickly went off to the wayside. Um, some video games that came out in 2006: The Godfather, the game, which is a really fun game, and I love how it takes the perspective, like it, it takes the uh, approach of like the entire game. You're playing it from the perspective of like a tertiary character from the movies. Mm-hmm. which is really neat. So you get to see like a new perspective on a lot of uh, iconic scenes from the movie. Um, another game that came out that year, Saints Row, which the first Saints Row is so different from the rest of the series. Yeah. Like my memories of Saint Row mostly come from the third and fourth game, um, especially since you played the hell out of them, Blake. Yeah, and I just remember three and four having so much over the top goofball crazy humor, and like that's practically non-existent in the first game. Like the first game is like it's all it is very much a, a Grand Theft Auto clone. Yeah, yeah. 
Um, another game that came out that year, Scarface, The World is Yours. Um, now, I recently, like, I had this game on PS2, and I recently started playing it again for the first time since, like, high school. Completely coincidental. I did not plan to start playing this right before we were going to talk about it. Um, so that's just funny how that worked out. But, like, this game is over the top in, like, the most fun way. It is, like, the perfect experience for, like, a playable version of that movie. Um, you know, even though they didn't get Al Pacino to voice Tony Montana because his voice was wrecked from chain smoking by this yeah. point, the guy who d- does Al Pacino does like a perfect Al Pacino impression. Like not just like how he sounds, but how he like his tone and his inflection and his attitude. It's, it is such a great game. It's so much fun. It's so addicting and it's just so over the top. It's, it's a perfect, uh, successor to, to that movie. Um, Tony Hawk's Project 8 came out in 2006. I remember getting this game for Christmas, and I remember, like, if Tony Hawk's Underground 2, which we discussed previous episode, was, like, the peak of the skateboarding craze, Project 8 was when it first started declining, and it was a very sharp and noticeable decline. I remember getting this game for Christmas, being so excited, popping it in, and just immediately feeling like something was wrong. And it, it only got worse from there. Um, uh, and then Bully came out in 2006, which Grand Theft Auto in high school. Um, yeah. I missed Bully during this time. I did not get to play Bully for the first time until a year or two ago when Blake and I were doing that aforementioned stream. And it's it's a fun game. I really wish I had played it when it first came out when I was 15 years old. Um, I would have absolutely loved it if I got to play it at that age. Yeah. But uh, Blake, you go ahead and start. What do you got to say about all of this? Um, so yeah, like, like, through and through, Saints Row 1 is definitely like, oh, I can do Grand Theft Auto. Yeah. (laughs) But, um, but yeah, um, but then, like, as you said, like, the sequels are nothing like it, like, the one that I, that I played the hell out of is the the praised one, which is uh, Saints Row the Third. Mm -hmm. Um, I mean, it's one of those things where it's like, you know, then do your own thing, be yourself, like go all out, like go nuts. And yeah. it is. And then I, not to be a malcontent, but with Saints Row 4, they perhaps go too far. Um, it basically just becomes the X-Men enter the matrix during independence day. Um, <laughs> but, but yeah, Saints Row the first, I know our buddy moon had it. Um, and, and, it has a few jokes in it. Like there's 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 like a strip club in it called Freckle Bitches. <laughs> <laughs> that, that I don't know why, but that always tickled the shit out of me. Um, and then uh, you know uh, Scarface. I never played it. I'm I'm totally down for it though. Like in the future, Donnie. Like I am telling you, I want you to bring it over because I have to try it out. I'll do you one better. Um, we'll we'll do a stream of it. I okay. We'll and play then, through the whole game. And then I remember playing The Godfather of the Game. Such an underrated game. Very and, fun game. And and like I see like the thing was is like eventually I was like, okay, I'm not in the mood for the story mode. I started taking over all the little individual shops block mm-hmm. by block. I mean and that that'll keep you occupied for a while in and of itself. I my um, my favorite memory of that game though is that fucking commercial with Marlon Brando. <laughs> Oh, you! I like me. <laughs> <laughs> and and I was just whoever like 
I, I don't know. What do we think about the guy they hired to do the Marlon Brando impression for that game? It's just, it's just like the scene when he gets shot up and he's just walking down. He gets like, I don't know, he's buying a tomato or something from a lady off the street. He's like, thank you. You're a nice lady. <laughs> Whatever. But vanilla he was Godfather. Tommy Wiseau in disguise. Yeah, Jesus God. Um, no, the Godfather of the game, like... Very, very underrated. I think, mm-hmm. um, and, and and I like I like it. It's like, oh, you get to play as Michael Corleone, or is it like? I think that's a much smarter approach. Is no, like, yeah. you were like a henchman. You were a background character. You get to see the 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 events of the original class classic unfold. Like you are like in the the passenger seat, and then you get, um, you even get to see scenes that were implied and not shown on screen. Yeah, like I thought, I thought it was clever. I and, thought it was clever. I mean, you mentioned how taking over like all the individual shops and businesses will keep you occupied. Like it, it keeps you so occupied that like I ended up one hundred percenting this game by accident almost, just because I was just having so much fun doing everything. Yeah, yeah. No, it it didn't. It's it's almost like getting like a whole other game, really. You know, yeah. like a whole other you know uh, story. Mm-hmm. Um, but um, but yeah, and then. Bully, like, that, I don't know, it, it goes back and forth between Saints Row the Third and that, but as far as, like, video games of, like, the, the, sorry, can you hear me? Yeah. Yeah, as far as video games of the 21st century, like, Bully is my personal favorite. Like, I love that game. Um, I had been playing Grand Theft Auto for a couple, few years already, and I remember Bully was coming out, and and first of all, like, yeah, I mean, you can't blame some people because they automatically expected controversy because it's um, it's because it's Rockstar, but they're like, oh no, you're gonna be able to do like a Columbine mission in it and stuff, and it's like, <laughs> no, like, it's like, no, you're not. Um, but no, like, I remember that was coming out, and it's it's weird how like, it was a it was a it was a moderate release, it was a decent release, but mm-hmm. like. They released it on the PS2 the year that the PS3 is coming out. Like that kind of felt like a middle finger to the game. Um, it felt a little backhanded, but well, it was whatever. probably it was probably in development long before the PS3 was like about the launch. Fair enough. And at that point, but, it was probably it was too late to like switch it over to a whole new hardware. Yeah, um, but I remember Michael. He got it first. He got it for Christmas, and he yeah. like. And he got it for Christmas, and by the time it was after New Year's, he 100%ed it, and he let me borrow it. And it was, like, just in the nick of time. Like, Michael's timing couldn't have been um, more perfect because he let me borrow it, like, literally the week before we had, like, a bunch of snow days. Oh, and And that was great. Like, just waking up, school's canceled, you know, mom's, you know, downstairs watching her Judge Judy for the day, and dad... <laughs> Dad's gonna be a few hours getting home from his night shift. I was like, I turned on the TV in my room and I just played chapter after chapter. And I, I love that game with all my heart. Um, it's, it's a funny game too. Like you have Algy mm-hmm. um, of yeah. the nerds who's like always pissed in his pants. <laughs> um, it's just Russell. Russell, like, oh, no, like yeah. No, I'll, I'll, I'll give it to you, Michael. You go ahead. Um, yeah, no, I, I love Bully. I, uh, I remember seeing it in ads for like Game Informer and stuff and I was super excited for it. 
Yeah, I got it at Christmas, and yeah, I just, I just played through it so fast. Like it was, I, it's just one of those games you get hooked, and you just have to play through the whole thing. Yeah, and the story is just like it's just like dumb fun. It's just kind of, it kind of, it almost feels like a like a teen movie when you're watching it. Mm-hmm. And the funny thing is, it's called Bully, but you're not technically a bully. You're like, you're like an anti-bully. You're yeah. like the bully. You're like the bully of bullies. Yeah. Yeah. And I like that by like what's it like the fifth chapter, like you've conquered all the like clicks. Yeah. And then like you get and then you get framed for like well you you do it but then you get all the blame for it and like everybody turns against you. <laughs> yeah. And you kinda gotta go back to square one. Like it's just uh, my my biggest complaint with this game is that it didn't get a sequel. Because I love this game, I feel like there's so much they could have done with it for yeah. like for next gen consoles. Yeah, like brought in like more like clicks or whatever. Because like it was kind of in like a time warp. Because there were some things that were like modern day, but then they had like greasers and stuff like that. Yeah, yeah. And the music like made it seem like it was kind of like back in the day. Yeah. But, um, yeah. My my favorite part of the game is where you um. You have to storm like the nerd like base, which is the school observatory, mm-hmm. and that's the first time like you get the spud gun and the bottle rocket launcher. Mm-hmm. And like if if you don't know what you're doing, like I feel like that's the hardest part of the game. No, it's it's in all. Um, I recently got it on iOS for my iPad, um, and I played through it all over again. Um, I was actually playing it earlier this episode, just just listening to you guys. Um, that's how much I love this game. <laughs> but but yeah, I mean, it's just like I don't I don't necessarily have complaints of the game, but just like little notes and questions, I guess. Like you release a game like this during like the golden age of emo music, but you don't have any of the clicks be goths or emos, you know? Like you you went with greasers yeah. instead. Um, yeah, I feel like they should have had like the rock and roll scene a little more. Yeah, um, but or like, I guess like this would just be like a branch off of the nerds, but like the anime kids almost. Yeah. Um, yeah. But, but yeah, no, they. But no, that is I. I agree with you, Michael. Like, the biggest fault of this game is that they never made a sequel, and it's like, why not? Like, and obviously they're gonna, you know. They're gonna keep making Grand Theft Auto games, but like then like they made a Red Dead Redemption two, and they made um they made Rockstar's Ping Pong a game. This <laughs> is like yeah, guys, table what, tennis. Table tennis. I'm sorry, table tennis. It's like, what are you guys doing? Like yeah, that was. I thought there was. I swore that there was like a catch to that game. Like there's there's got to be something up like when you play the game, but no, it's just it's just a table tennis simulation. Yeah. That's weird, but it's fucking random. And then every few years there will be a random rumor that they're gonna finally gonna announce Bully Two, mm-hmm. and then they don't. Yeah, uh, they they just keep like re-releasing Bully. Like you can get it on current consoles and stuff. Yeah, so I'll, like, I'll, I'll keep getting like, it. But like obviously people were playing it, so it's like, why don't you just make a sequel? Yeah, yeah. But um, as far as the other games. I actually I never played the Godfather or the Scarface. The, the world is yours. Um, I remember like, do you guys remember like X Play and like G Four? Yeah, yeah. 
Yeah. I remember they did a review on like Scarface: The World Is Yours, and I thought it was so fucking hilarious. They just they just basically showed all the goofy shit you could do and the goofy shit like Tony Montana says. Yeah. The, oh yeah. my god, the dialogue in that game is so great. Yeah, they said that that's what like really makes the game like stand out mm-hmm. from other like sandbox games. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, no, I'd I'd like to play it at some point too. And then I honestly I remember my dad playing the Godfather game. My dad was like obsessed with playing it. Like my dad like never played like Grand Theft Auto games, but my dad would play the Godfather game. But I I never got around to playing it myself. Um, uh, the Tony Hawk game. I ne- I've honestly never played that. I stopped playing Tony Hawk after the Underground games. This was the last one I played, Project Eight. Yeah, um, I was I was looking through the list of like games that came out in two thousand six. Two of them that like I've only played like a little bit of, but I guess they're they're worth mentioning because they were kind of big those years. Was like Dead Rising and Gears of War. Did you guys play those? No. I. Yeah. Oh no, <laughs> Kogel would have a lot to say about both of those. Yeah, um, and, and and Gears of War was an Xbox exclusive. Like that was like a big like Xbox uh, title. Well, that, yeah, and that was I mean no disrespect to it, and I don't mean to like sound crude or like dismiss it, but Gears of War was like them trying to have a Halo on a year that they couldn't have Halo. It felt like. Yeah, and it. it and it was like, but it was like a little different. It was like a third person over the shoulder, like shooter. Yeah. Mix it up a little bit. I love, I love the, like, the, the theatrical trailer to Gears of War, how it was doing Mad World from the Donnie Darko soundtrack. Yeah. Um, that was a really good trailer for a video game. Yeah. Which, which that was like, that annoyed my dad so much. We're in the theater for that. I forget what movie we were seeing that season. Um, and my dad just goes, so we have fucking movie trails for video games now? Yeah. <laughs> he was, like, so annoyed by that. Pretty much. Well, that's the thing, like, movie or video games now are, like, half movies. Yeah. But, um, yeah, there's, there's, movie, there's video games that come out now that have better plots than movies right now. Yeah. Yeah. But um, another, another one, like, I, it's one of those things I was actually, like, thinking about, like, playing this game because I've never sat down and played it and I wanted to is uh, The Legend of Zelda Twilight Princess because it, it actually came out like on the Wii but it also came out on GameCube and I feel like a lot of people played it just on GameCube because of the Wii controls mm-hmm. but like I'm a, I'm a big Zelda fan but that, that, was the, that was one of the ones I just never got around to really sit down and play myself so I, I really want to play that one but like two, two games that like I put like tons of hours in that came out in 2006 was Marvel's Ultimate Alliance and um, Elder Scrolls uh, Oblivion. Now, as I, I don't I don't know if you guys are ever really played much of the Elder Scrolls games, have you? No. No. Uh, and it's just I feel like it, you, like it, like Oblivion and Skyrim like if you like fantasy at all, like you got to play. Like I feel like they're like the ultimate like sword and sorcery games. I feel like they immerse you so much. Like, there's so much you can do. I've always loved, like, Bethesda games. I mean, they're kind of going through a rough patch right now, but I I just... I put so many hours into Oblivion. Like, it's it's, it's literally like a game 
you can, uh, I mean, like, when people think, like, Grand Theft Auto is, like, immersive, I feel like with Oblivion or, like, Skyrim, like, you can literally just not do the plot at all. You can just walk around and just do hours of doing whatever the hell you want. Like, you just get lost in those games. Like, you want to get something done, and it takes, like, eight hours to do. <laughs> but it, but it, but it's fun. It's not, it's not boring. Yeah. And um, Ultimate Alliance, like, that was, like... I remember playing that with Andrew a lot. Just, like, that four-player, like, play almost any, like, Marvel character you want. Yeah. I, miss, actually... I missed that game, and I was always so upset that I never got to play it. You never it got to play I never got to play Marvel Ultimate Alliance 1 or 2. Oh, man. See, see two, 2's not as good as 1. Mm-hmm. 2's okay. But, like, no, Ultimate... It, did you ever play X-Men Legends? Nope. See, that it was that was the same game. It was just X-Men. Mm-hmm. But, um, but Ultimate Alliance is great. Like, yeah, no. I would honestly recommend, like, if it was, like, me and Blake ever, like, get together, or if we have, like, someone else, too, like, we should all, like, play it. Because it's just, it's just a fun, like, multiplayer game where you just, like... It's not, it's not particularly hard... It's just like a fun game that you just run through and like unlock different Marvel heroes. And like you start off with so many at the beginning. Yeah. And I always, I always really liked it like personally because you could play as Ghost Rider. Yeah. And then he's not yeah. in the second one and that pissed me off. And like you, you could do like different lineups and get bonuses. Like I remember if like you had or Fantastic Four, you get the bonus or yada yada yada. Or you have like four of the Avengers. I remember I used to always do one. It was if you put like Ghost Rider, Blade, Doctor Strange, and Thor, you were called the Supernatural Team, and it gave you like a bonus. Hmm. Yeah, it, it, it's a lot of fun. Yeah, I, I totally recommend playing it. No, I, I have fond memories of us playing it. It was it was a fun game. What, what you may have already said this, and I totally missed it. What did you prefer, X Men Legends or Ultimate Alliance? Um. Ultimate Alliance, and I, don't get me wrong, I really liked X-Men Legends, but X-Men Legends, like, there was a point in the game where it got really fucking hard. Yeah. Like, to the point where you had to, like, grind really, really bad, because it has, like, RPG elements. Yeah. But, like, I feel like Ultimate Alliance, like, as long as you, like, are paying attention, like, there's no way, like, you're going to get stuck. Yeah. And, like, it, it was just fun. I remember... I remember just playing as Captain America and like there was like a buff he would do he would hold his shield up and like a beam would like a beam would like shoot down and I would just like I'd be at Andrew's house and I'd just be yelling Avengers assemble. Yeah. Just do it like 50 million times. <laughs> and like everybody had like special attacks like Iron Man would just like he just light the place up with like fucking missiles. And like everybody could do different things. Like certain characters could fly, and like Spider Man could swing across like the stage. Like I don't know. It's just it's just a fun game. Like it almost it almost felt like an arcade game too. It had it had that kind of like four player arcade feel. Nice. But yeah, no, it's a lot of fun. Nice. All right. Well, on that note, I think we covered the year two thousand six pretty well, guys. I think we had a great show tonight i want to thank everybody for listening and thank mike for coming back and joining us tonight um, thank you you can find you can follow the fat minute on twitter at fat minute radio uh instagram fat minute radio and facebook at fat minute radio 
Uh, I am Don John. You can follow me on Twitter at Don John Laughs, and you can follow Blake on Twitter at Pukasasi. So, again, thank you, everybody, for listening tonight. Thank you guys for joining me. Be good and be safe. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code CHAMPION and your first wager is risk-free up to $1,000. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, player props, and daily boosted odds specials. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Sign up today and find out why nothing beats a win at the king of sportsbooks. Download the BetMGM app or go to betmgm.com and enter code CHAMPION and place your first wager risk-free up to $1,000. Visit betmgm.com for terms and conditions. 21 years of age or older to wager. Virginia only. New customer offer. All promotions are subject to qualification and eligibility requirements. Rewards issued as non-withdrawable free bets or site credit. Free bets expire seven days from issuance. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-888-532-3500.